and welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think what it says in the magic book, it's best film ever. My name's Ian. And I'm Liam. And I'm Georgia. <laughs> hey, and we're here today to do episode number 131. 131. Pan's Labyrinth. Woo. The music literally just cut out there. <laughs> we started talking about another. Oh, That's what we're getting into. Taunting, isn't it? Is, it? Isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Pan's Labyrinth uh, from the choice of Georgia this week. Yeah. There we go. Uh, definitely the one I'm most likely. You and Ethan are the ones most likely to bring forward language films, I think, to the party. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No. Um, <laughs> Too much hard work. <laughs> let's do this here. We've got, let's talk about uh, the hard work that we've been putting in and how it's paying off all around the world. Let's talk. How we are charting this week here, home in Great Britain, Woo. in Australia, Woo. in Did South I? Korea, Woo. in the Denmark, <laughs> the Denmark, in Netherlands, in <laughs> South Africa, in Egypt, in Ghana, and number fourteen in Pakistan. Ooh. Very cool, nice. And you know, don't worry, Sierra Leone, we'll leave a lot on for you. Yeah, we I'll tell that. you this much though: we had a huge week again. And it was the French this time. Really? Yeah, who were, like, if you look, there's, actually, it's weird, because we, it doesn't take too much to chart, necessarily, in certain countries yeah, on yeah. the Apple Podcast chart. Mm-hmm. So for our, like, top six are all, like, massive numbers. Wow. And I think for the month. So I think it's, like, the U.S., the U.K., yep. Canada. Canada! <laughs> uh, Australia. Good uh, I think it's Germany and France. Oh, nice. And then there's, like, a... Like just a nosedive, and like what comes in seventh is like ten percent of what's in six. Oh, so we okay. do a lot in those six countries. Oh, okay, and then so it means what we do have oh, in these I'm, other countries we list off. Oh, I'm thrilled with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So because um, I was said I was going to Paris in uh, in February. Whoever it was in in France who decided they were going to go ahead and uh, uh, download the catalog and tell their friends, massive, massive week in France. Yeah, merci beaucoup, as they would say out in that part really? of the Danny world. Danny said it was because he was catching up Boston, France. <laughs> he did, he did. Je m'appelle Liam. He did. I was like, not the kind of numbers we're seeing here, man. You'd have to be, you'd have to be like way catching up. Uh, promo time. We did Men in Black last week. We did. Really good first day numbers. Really good first day numbers. So there we go. Um, we did a Cedar Skip at Georgia on Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. I've still not seen it yet. We were going to go, I was going to cut down because we had a conversation about about LGBT rights in this in and representation in the Chinese market. Yes. <laughs> There's a rabbit hole. I chose. I, I don't know if you listened to it yet. I, I left that all in in the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I chose to keep it. I went back. I went. No, it's all right. <laughs> I think was a worry that we got a little bit terse, but I was like, no, actually, I think it's okay. <laughs> so there we go. I, I didn't think it. we'd gotten terse. I thought we had, but I, I was also very tired last yeah. week. <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, we recorded and haven't released it yet. That'll be coming on Friday. Our Bruce Willis Real Roundtable. A Yippie Kaye Real Roundtable. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. And that is on Friday. I think that'll be dropping. So there we go. Um, first thanks to anybody, of course, goes to our Patreon backers, our friends of the podcast, to keep the lights on here in the studio of the awesomeness. Um, it's hot in the UK right it's now. Yeah. It's very warm. If you're not from the UK, um, I'd say we're in for three days of plus. Now, uh, before you scoff, let me give some 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 clarity. <laughs> to I was talking to Josh this morning and kind of had to do some like yeah. precursors to it. We're, it's thirty one degrees, I think, right now. Yeah, it's going to be thirty seven tomorrow, and pretty much the same thing again on Tuesday. Now, if you put that through the machine, I know it's only around a hundred degrees or something yeah. like that. But this country, a the, there's the humidity level, which is a lot higher here, a but it is higher. in places. 
Uh, like when I was in Phoenix, they, like the temperatures would get up here, like way, actually get up considerably higher than the, the than like thirty seven would be in the forties, but you didn't have the moisture, so you could get relief. It felt like you got a dry heat, dry heat. Yeah, mm-hmm. now I'm not saying it's still not super hot. It is still super hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a different kind of heat. It wasn't like your clothes stick to you heat. No. Secondly, this country is not built for this kind <laughs> of weather, and what I mean is we don't have the infrastructure. So when I was living in Phoenix, my apartment had air conditioning. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's kind of like a basic staple. Yeah, we in Canada, not most places, but I'd say more every, every, with every build, more places are having air conditioning put in and more apartments are having air conditioning as like standard mm-hmm. because it gets very warm there in the summer times. Um, this is, this country is not made for this. My nope. school doesn't have air conditioning. So not only do we not have the air conditioning, the walls and the new builds, especially, are literally yeah. built to keep heat in. Keep heat in. We have so. insulation in the walls to yeah. keep the heat in. So, <laughs> um, so we sweat. So, like, my, my loft in my house, which I don't really use, uh, but it basically just sucks in all the hot air. Yeah. For all and those then, American and, listeners, and it's it's an attic. The attic, yeah. And then it'll sort of like, hey, let's reverse things. And then that'll release heat almost throughout the evening. So it's a, it's a bit rough. Um, so we're very warm here, but yeah. our roads will literally melt tomorrow. Yeah, our yeah, train lines will buckle. Yeah, they will buckle. Like, They're not. It's th- not th- things weren't built with these weather conditions in mind. Nope. And the fact that because we're not used to this, one, we're not acclimatized, but two, because the country's yep. not used to it, there is no maximum temperature on anything, like law wise. So we're all kind no, of having to make our own decisions. We're kind of in uncharted territory. So I know yeah. a school that I used to work at. Mm-hmm. they're closed monday tuesday yeah and we're going in monday tuesday yeah uh personally um i i don't think the system's built i don't think our school's about that you know that there, there's that but you know people with much bigger paychecks than me making those calls so yeah. i will be there i will be there with no tie on that's my <laughs> <laughs> your contribution i should cover a full three-piece suit oh. waistcoat the whole nine yards and just oh. walk around owning it <laughs> why not we ten pounds lighter by the end of the day. We are right. uh, but we, it out. But we. Who needs a sauna? Who needs to sweat it out when you got Patreon backers like <laughs> Reverend Bruce, Julene, hey. Hermes, Ooh, Lena yeah. Oberholzer, Katie McRae, yeah. Anthony and Davies, Chris Peterson, Ooh. Randall. What's your handle? Silva. Yeah. Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. The Yeetmeister. Nate the Great. Andy hey. Dixon. And yeah. Cheesy. With, with a fish, fish on, on a bike. bike. And I, I changed the order because Andy went, just doesn't sound right with my name at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be cheesy because he's got this great finish to it. He does have a lovely I'd just like to point out, you he's didn't, a gentleman. You didn't cue either of us and we still got it right. I wasn't even looking at I you. gave it the pause. I knew you guys would Yeah, do exactly. It. We, didn't, we don't I need the cue. We, we had it. So what you're saying is you want me to celebrate for doing the things you're supposed to do? No, we're celebrating because we didn't need your instruction and we did it anyway. Yeah, I Perfectly. wasn't even taking any notice. <laughs> When you cue us, we one of yeah. us gets it wrong. That's what, that's what I have to deal with, folks. It's, it's people who want to be praised for doing what what well, we what should. you expect. <laughs> expect yeah, the unexpected. Yeah. I go above and beyond. It's like when the kids are like, I was on time. Can I get a reward for that? I'm like, no, because <laughs> you were on time. If you were considerably early and helped out with something, sure. But you don't get a reward for doing what you're supposed to we do. We made it easier for you. You didn't have to cue us. Well, oh, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Um, what else do we have? I used to work for a place where if you showed up every every day for two weeks on time, you got an attendance bonus. Cool. I was like, what, for doing what you're supposed to do? Yeah, I want that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like it was like 30 bucks or something like that. It wasn't small. Like 30 bucks was like... 20 quid? quid. Yeah, you do all right with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, 
That's like George's birthday, birthday. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check the birthday list. Hang on. I don't think we've got anything coming up. I need up. the ice. Well, we got me and you coming up. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know about that. Oh, yeah. Nothing important. Because by this time, by the time people <laughs> listen to the next episode, we'll have had our birthdays. We would have done, yeah. So our next episode is actually birthday episode. So today is happy on birthday to you. Happy on birthday for us, yes. Yeah. I'll let you keep looking that up. Uh, no, nothing yet. Let's do some reflections and corrections. <laughs> <laughs> let's start off with the poet laureate of the BFE, Dwayne Smith. Hello, Dwayne Smith. Said it's weird, but this felt like a reunion, even though you were all on last week's episode. With the pre-record and Carlo covering, it all feels a bit wibbly-wobbly. Wibbly, wibbly-wobbly. Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Yeah, timey-wimey. Yeah, timey-wimey. No, Ethan here, so the reunion was short-lived. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, bless him. Um, Come on, Ethan, what are you playing at? He's feeling poorly. Um, oh. We got uh, Ian Davies, uh, who says that Men in Black, uh, the song, we were trying to figure out what the song was a reference to. Mm. And so what it is a reference to, he sent me the video link, was... Um, um, okay. oh, do you have it? Uh, no. Oh. What? No, we're fine. It's red. Oh, we're good. Red's good. Green's oh. what you don't want. He's just pressing the buttons. He's just oh. fiddling his Liam's wrist. terrified we've not been recording for nine and a half oh. minutes. <laughs> I panicked. I saw red. No, red's good. Red's red good. good. Red's good. Red's good. Red's good. Like the so, you know above so recording studio. recording studio. Red. If the light's red, it'll be a light, red light bulb. That means it's a live recording progress. Okay, okay my heart sunk. No. I was like, oh my God. There we go. Um, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the song, so, you know, Here Come the Man in Black was actually uh, Patrice Ruchin's Forget Me Not. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. It didn't even change. Like it's all about remember. <laughs> that sounds I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, though. That's Will Smith's song now. It is. No one's listening to that. No, and going, no, no, yeah. no, no. But that sounds mid to late seventies. No, 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 getting jiggy with it. <laughs> we'll see you in Miami. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Welcome to Miami. Is oh, Miami, Miami. That was the first time I ever heard of Miami is like a cool place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, would, I, just, I guess, I don't know. Maybe I thought Orlando was a Disney World. I was like, what's what? And now Miami's, Miami's the thing. Whenever I think of Miami, I always think it's being quite orange. Yep. Sunsets. Yep. Mm. Why do they say that? Is that a thing? I imagine it's the, uh, I imagine part of it's you make things very pastel y because of the heat. In the sun. Okay. When I was talking about humidity, I mean, Florida's the opposite of that. Florida's got heat and humidity. I say oh, we're, we're oh. Florida kind of yeah. territory, yeah. yeah. Um, and Why do people go to retire then? Uh, because old people don't seem to be affected by the, the heat as much. Which is actually kind of weird because when, when, whenever things get bad, you always hear check on your, on your senior loved ones. Okay. What about all the alligators? Yeah, that's, that's a trade off. Why? Why? Why, why do they exist? Or, or why would you move there? Why would you move there? Well, if you live Disney, in, a, if you live in like if you live in like a city or a retirement Universal. community, the, it's not like the crocodile is coming out then. Well, I mean, they do um, sometimes come in the pools, but I mean, oh, we're not having a crocodile where I lived it, where, where, I, where I lived in Canada, we <laughs> had we, we had we had bears coming out. You know what I mean? Oh, so I can bear with that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make me pause on more than one occasion. <laughs> um, what do we got here? Uh, Hermes. Uh, mentioned that Khaleesi, who is his co-host and I believe his partner, has six Starbucks mugs and does some of the Starbucks tourism. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having the Starbucks mugs as being I've been here. I kind of like that as like you open up your thing and you remember all these places you've been to. That's mm. cool. My issue's more when it's like, it's that tokenism. It's let's scratch thing on the map. Let's get my Starbucks mug. Let's go. But then outside of that, let's just, 
let's just try and live as close to a Western experience as I can in these other countries. I say, yeah, take it home as a souvenir. That's absolutely sure. fine. But also, also maybe buy something handmade by a local and enjoy yeah. what they have to offer, not just what Starbucks has to offer. Yep. So there's that. Um, oh, we got to hit this one. Oh, what have I done? I don't know. Oh, I got. Oh, that's why I'm on the wrong thing. Oh. See, this is why I you changed. Went to I changed the screen, but I've got the yellow in the same spot on both uh. of them. That's the mistake. There's a mistake. I think Let's count that for both my mistake on the button push and this mistake here. <laughs> and this one goes out to Andy Dixon, who said, I can't believe I got my Men in Black films mixed up with the locker scene last week. Yeah. And uh, he owned it. And I was like, you know. Well done. It's your debut. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> uh, Carlo talking about Men in Black says, a testament to this film and the beauty of cross marketing. As soon as I finished the episode, I had to put the Men in Black song on. Damn you, BFE. Wow. How could you not? I mean, there, it was a cultural moment, wasn't it? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Let's do some shout-outs. Uh, the Scuttlebutt Podcast, which is uh, Hermes Podcast, which has Ooh. the BFE seal of approval. There you are. Sounds more like a seagull this week. Uh, gives us some love on their own. They did a little Thor Love and Thunder review, and they kind of uh, used the see it or skip it kind of format a little bit, but it did the spoiler, but they did totally go, yeah, I'm kind of taking a page out of <laughs> it. And, and they even name dropped the see it or skip it kind of format. And It's not plagiarism BFE. if you uh, reference it. It's done. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, we're, I, I, I think the world of Hermes. So yeah. uh, thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, Trademark BFE. Because tra- <laughs> there are other pods that we know out there, <laughs> there who mix stuff and... Uh, <laughs> Not had a mention. And, and they don't do the same sort of, here's my sources. So there we go. <laughs> so I respect it when they do. Uh, Julene for all the love. Of hey, course, Julene for all the love. Uh, so Wizard for the love. Ray from being bookish for always supporting us. Uh, TA two squid pod podcast. TA two squid podcast. Dude, that's squid. a mouthful. That is a mouthful yeah. of squid. Got to get them squiddies. There that we are. Uh, thanks for the love. Uh, Science fiction remnant for the love. Re- consistently retweeting out whenever we got an episode or saying that they're listening to us and putting it out there. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Uh, Carlo asked if we were more punny last week than usual. Punny. I get punny when I'm we tired. We punny. I did challenge the punny part. It was more of the idea that we were incorporating Tommy Lee Jones films into our conversation. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. at breakneck speed. When I went back to the relist yeah. and I was like, we actually came with a bunch of films super quick. That was... So that was a good time. And that's all off the cuff. That's all off the... Yeah, we didn't have that scripted. No. Um, Most things are, but not that. Not that. Um, Nate the Great, who's just... just the script. There we go. Long. My script says, say, say hi to Nate the Great. Hey, Nate. Uh, who told us... Uh, I was commenting, because he wants to get on the uh, on the Patreon fantasy football, uh, oh, the, okay. the fantasy football thing, and I went well. Right now, it's because it's, it's, it, it, we have tiers. We do. So right now, it's going out to the top two tiers. I said, should we not have enough numbers? Then we'll open it up to the the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, hey, I said, bless you, you're you're an absolute gentleman. And he went, yeah, you guys are into wrestling. You do community fantasy football, and obviously cover movies. I hit the jackpot with you guys. Oh. <laughs> Thanks a lot, mate. Nice. That's cool. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk gift of the week, shall we? Um, but before we do that, if I can just take us down memory lane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Liam, we need a random word, buddy. The random word is something that Georgia said earlier that made me laugh. <laughs> Which is? Is light stick. Light stick. There we go. <laughs> light stick is the random word. The random I like that you've sort of built it around that. Yeah, yeah. Now, you might think that was from last week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. That was from The Empire oh, Strikes Back. Wow. No, sorry. That was from Return of the Jedi. So you have reused light stick. 
How weird. <laughs> like six, my, seven weeks apart. My brain. When you said it, I was going, that does sound familiar, yeah. but didn't didn't challenge it enough in the moment. Maybe I should have said glow stick. Maybe glow stick. It would be the same gifts, wouldn't it? So if you thought this was going to get by anybody, you'd be wrong because uh, we've got Ian Davies was on it instantly. Yep. Then Russell Osborne, then Cheesy, and then Josh. Oh. And resident Posty Russell said, Liam, you're right. You literally have one job on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> and even that I get wrong. Oh, so, P45. Uh, so the nominees this week, Ian Davies did a Doctor Who sonic screwdriver off. Russell did the alien from American Dad. I don't know if uh, I like American Dad or not. No. Roger. I couldn't think of his name earlier. Now I can. Roger. Okay. Um, Chris Peterson reused the Homer ninja one with the sticks. As did Dwayne Smith. So there we go. Uh, Alan, Andy Dixon. Oh, he backs up into the hedge. No, no, no. He's got some nunchucks, but someone's gifted, so it's like glowing. Oh, okay. Like sticks. <laughs> oh, like it's like things from the nuclear power plant. You know, it's always like, like oh, glowing yeah, rod. Yeah. 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 Uh, then what do we have here? And Carlo was some sort of a human insect. I don't really know what that was about. Andy Dixon had a cat with lightsabers. Uh, the wind's got to go to Ian Davies. I mean, we do a who do you think you are. Uh, thing here and if you're going to show me not just one doctor who but two doctor who's each with a sonic screwdriver in their hand if 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 those aren't light sticks and you know often used for memory purposes as well then i will i'll take that so the winner is ensign ian davies thanks for making it so so now i've got to see if i can get through the whole year without saying light stick or any of the pre-used ones again (laughs) let's set the let's set the light stick bar slightly higher for ourselves shall we um Russell said George has picked a masterpiece for this week's review. He's looking forward to hearing it. And uh, that was Russell. And Carlo said that Pans is also excellent. But wondered if Liam was going to have an issue with the gore. I'm going to ask you to hold on to that. We'll talk about that as we go through, okay? Who's this, El Gore? Or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's an inconvenient truth. Uh, <laughs> but we'll tell you what's not an inconvenient truth. Why not give us five stars? Uh, Apple or Spotify? After all, five is our magic number. Five. Is the magic number. All right. Pan's Labyrinth in Spanish, El Labertino del Fano, uh, is, uh, which means the Labyrinth of the Fawn, is a 2006 Spanish-Mexican dark fantasy film written, directed, and co-produced by Guillermo del Toro. The story takes place in Spain during the summer of 1944, five years after the Spanish Civil War. Now, just a, a very brief history. Uh, this basically sets up the Francoist Spanish regime, which sees Spain kind of uh, half withdraw and half be uh, eradicated from all the international communities for like 40 years. Uh, It's not until the late 70s, I want to say, that thing in the early 80s, that even the idea of the the tourist industry that we have in this country going towards Spain, but any of that stuff starts to open up. They weren't in the Olympics, like all these sorts of things that you would assume that these big places are. Is that where there's two different... So that's why there's two different factions, yeah. Spain oh, okay. Spain literally like breaks in half and it's not like a clean break no. like like North and South Korea or East and West. This is like it's like it's like a, sp- a painted squiggle that's kind of like yeah, where the, where the yeah, boundaries yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. It's it's rough. It's rough and and the military um led um sort of faction are, are the ones who take control. Oh okay. And set up the government. And so we're and so we'll talk about it when we talk a little bit more in the movie about the color palette and things like that. But that's why. I mean, this is not a good time for 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 Spain. No, this is not a good moment for. Well, moment. It's not a good season, mm-hmm. and it's generally regarded now as a time of great unhappiness. So this is where he sets. So this was all going on. I don't think during... it affected their Olympic participation. Did not. No. All right. 
So this all went going on during the Second World War too. Uh, as a result, they're not really in, in, involved in World War Two. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Yeah, they got their own thing going on. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't really a world war then, was it? Well, not every nation's involved <laughs> in World War Two. Well, I assumed. Well, I assumed. Was it, was it, wasn't Austria famously neutral? Yep. Yeah. Oh, were they? In Switzerland? Yeah, that's why the Sound of Music, they come down the Everest. That's, that's where, that's oh, where they're going. I've never seen the Sound of Music. Oh, really? No. Oh, that's why they're like, climb every mountain. That's all. Oh. I don't know what the Sound of Music, I should watch it's, it. It's all set during World War Two, and basically, um, well, at some point, I'm sure we'll do a review of Sound of Music. Oh, it'd be nice, actually. Okay. Um, but it's a long movie, though. But um, I know. I did the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least they give you an intermission for that. <laughs> um, yeah, but the idea being that kind of like uh, Julie Andrews' character goes to be a, a nanny. What's the word I'm looking for? Governess. Governess. Uh, for this military man, but it's peacetime. It's not really a huge thing. He's just a bit of a pompous guy, right? But then kind of where you think like your intermission break would kind of be, Hitler starts becoming a thing. Oh, okay. And Austria's famous, or is it Switzerland they're in? They're in Austria. They're in Austria? Okay. Mm-hmm. So Austria's... Um, kind of neutral sort of establishment, it starts to get kind of more heavily uh, taken Nazified. over. Nazified. Nazified. And so like, you come back from Act 2 usually and like all the banners, there's like Nazi banners in the house. So when and you say neutral, it. they just let them come in and just take... I'm trying to think if they were... What I'm thinking is Austria might have been an ally, but not like a we're right there with you ally, or they become occupied yeah. or conquered or something like that. Oh, okay. And then Switzerland is neutral, neutral. Switzerland's like, we ain't getting in on this. Fair enough. We're officially... We don't have a side. Because there's a great joke that because if they did, then they'd have had like the Swiss army knife of tanks and would have just completely obliterated everyone instantly. I like that idea. Yeah. Or a tank of chocolate, which would have melted. And then <laughs> that would have been that. Yeah, but Swiss army knife makes more sense for a war, doesn't chocolate it? Chocolate Swiss army knife. I'm sure you can get them. How cool. There we go. Um, so that's just a little bit of background there. This is the very start of the Francoist period, and we see elements of that. Mm-hmm. But that narrative intertwines uh, the, the real world that's going on there with the mythical world uh, centered on an overgrown, abandoned labyrinth, a mysterious fawn creature, and, of course, our main character, Ophelia. And the idea for Pan's Labyrinth came from Guillermo del Toro's notebooks, which said are filled with doodles, ideas, drawings, and plot bits. Obviously a visual filmmaker. Very He'd been keeping these notebooks for at least 20 years. At one point during production, he left a notebook in a taxi in London Holy and was distraught. But the tax driver found them, realized their importance, tracked him down, and returned them at great personal difficulty and expense. Wow. You'd hope Del Toro helped Come them out on, on the backside yeah. of this, right? You'd hope so. Yeah. You know? Del Toro was convinced this was a blessing, and it made him even more determined to make the film. Uh, he originally wrote a story about a pregnant woman who falls in love with a fawn. Um, but one of the actors, and I'll tell you which actor later on, said that Del Toro described the final version of the plot a year and a half before they started filming and said that for two and a half hours, the the, the plot was explained with all the details and it was incredible. And when Ted Del Toro finished, the actor in question said, do you have a script? And he went, oh, nothing's written. <laughs> and so, wow. but despite that, the actor still agreed to act in the movie and received the script a year later. He said it was all the same. It was incredible. In his little head, he had all the history with a lot of detail, a lot of characters. Like now, when you look at the movie, it was exactly what he had in his head. Um, there's rumors that Del Toro was uh, had offers from Hollywood producers to help fund the movie. And despite having the budget potentially doubled, he said, I don't want that. I want to make the movie I want to make. Uh, yeah. not, have, not have interference based on um, what's interpreted as being, you know, well, this is what the market needs for you to do. It's a bit like um, Stallone when he did Rocky. 
He was offered 150,000, I think he said. Yeah, if someone, someone else played the role or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and, you know, bearing in mind he was broke. Yeah. 150,000 back in the mid 70s. That's that's actually a fair chunk of money. That's you're, a big. You're probably looking at half a million. To have a, the guts to go, no, you know what? Calm shot. And do you know what his, his answer was to that? You know, he said, I'd rather fail on my own terms than sell out and then yeah. regret that for the rest of my life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, what if it was, like, came as the same giant move? Yeah. Make someone else's career, and you're just the guy who, like, wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally different career, if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, the film was shot in a Scots pine forest situated in the Guadarrama mountain range in central Spain. A lot yeah, of the pines we have here are Scots, which is why Liam said oh, really? this could be filmed here. Yeah. yeah. You did say that at one point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it looked very much around Norfolk. Uh, the director of photography, uh, cinematographer Guillermo Navarro, said after doing work in Hollywood and other movies and with other directors, working in our original language and different scenery brings me back to the original reasons I wanted to make movies, wow. which is to basically tell stories with complete freedom and let the visuals really contribute to the telling of the story. Del Toro says he considers the story to be a parable influenced by fairy tales, and that addresses concerns themes related to one of his earlier films, The Devil's Backbone. Um, he also calls Pan's Labyrinth the spiritual successor to that film. It was released on May 27, 2006, at the Cannes Film Festival, released theatrically first in Mexico, October 1990, uh, sorry, 2006, uh, it then opens a week later, limited in Canada and the U.S. Um, sorry, that's not true. It opened in Spain in October 2006, opens in Mexico a week later, opens in Canada and the U.S. December of 2006, and takes all the way till March 2007 to open in the U.K. Wow. Uh, after the first week, so they had done a bit of a round before. It got yeah, us. They, they they play I, would naturally would play. I think to the natural audience, your first thought would be play it to to a, uh, an audience with with a native tongue. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. After the first week, movie theaters in Mexico placed signs on posters warning people about the movie's graphic violence because so many people brought small children to see it. This was also reported in the news in Spain. I guess the scene labyrinth in the title, you'd think David Bowie, wouldn't you? <laughs> How many times are we going to shoehorn this joke in? <laughs> no, but you would though, wouldn't you? If you didn't know uh, anything about Pan's Labyrinth. I didn't see you. Well, look, it says Pan's. I'm not going to think it's, it's the same. At least I'm not. Mm. Unless you make the jump to Peter Pan then, and then it's something very different altogether. Yeah, I think my favorite Pan, I think my, yeah, my first thought was, is this like a character like that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but Although then, then you find out it's, it's Spanish. Yeah, in Spanish, it's not called Pan's Labyrinth, is no, it? It's just Pan, Labyrinth Pan, of the Fawn. Pan's a specific character in Greek, sorry, in Spanish mythology, I believe. Oh, okay. Or in some mythology. We'll talk so about that. So was that re- renamed after it had been released? Or was that released with the original title? I've actually got some notes on that, actually. Oh, okay. So that'll be interesting. Okay. Well, kind of, sort of. Um, this is where I asked the question, why are we watching this? Georgia, why are we watching this? Your pick. Because I watched it quite a few years ago. I can't remember how many years ago it was. When I was in my Spanish GCSE class, uh, we watched it. We had the English subtitles on, but we were basically told, try to ignore the English subtitles, see how much you can pick out. Um, I feel like a teacher just wanted to watch a movie that day. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, it was, I think it was the end of term. I think we'd finished the, we'd, fin- we'd done the exams. It was just a, there you go, last lesson, we'll watch Pabs and Labyrinth and make some churros. Um, so, and I remember really, really enjoying it, thinking it was absolutely great. Was um, that the movie of a churros? I didn't actually get to make the churros. I had oh, to go really? home to do something else. I've never else, had a yeah. churro. Is that dessert? Yeah. Why, okay. why is that? It's What's like a, a l- uh, either long or like spiralised uh, like donut thing, usually rolled in cinnamon sugar and then dipped in like a chocolatey sauce. Fried like a donut, but long. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Mm. 
Excellent. Anyway, yeah. No, I remember watching it and think it was amazing, but hadn't come back to it. And I know it is very well critically acclaimed and was just wanting to watch it again, basically. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. I think you're more enamored by the food. So this is interesting because George just got, it was your choice. I actually teach this film. So um, I know this film very well. And so I mean, the note part, I, I was asking when we were doing it. We stopped a couple times. What we've discovered is Liam's 40-minute check-in session to see how he's doing with the movie. <laughs> Liam, right, recap the film up to now. Recap. <laughs> Why didn't you too bad? You're okay. I will bring up, if you're okay with it, the one key element you forgot at one point. <laughs> okay, yeah, I did you? But, um, uh, but I'll bring that up when we get there. But uh, I, uh, you guys asked me, how's it keeping up with it? Because I've said before, typing Dude, with tough. typing with um, subtitles. subtitles is hard because I, I can't do that bit where I'm just listening as I'm typing the next thing. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, I know the film really well. So that was my get-out-of-jail-free card on that, was for the yeah, most yeah, part yeah. on there. Uh, yeah, yeah, because when you read it as well, like it's kind of gone, whereas if you hear it, you can hear the rhythm, the rhythm and the musicality of the words, mm-hmm. and it might help. But this really isn't. Uh, how, much, how, let's just, how much trouble did you find watching this? Because we've done a few. We've done... Um, Parasite. We've done Parasite. Oh, we've done... Never again. Um, oh, what was the one um, you did? Uh, Moon Castle? Yep. Emily? Amelie um, had subtitles, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. how how was your experience with this? Did you find it? To <laughs> I be? brought three of the four of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Amelie, I struggled with heavily. Did you? Okay. I, I, mainly because that was more visually striking and was distracting me. Uh, this was more dark, yeah. so uh, that didn't distract me as much. These had big white subtitles as I well. Found it I easier. think Amelie's subtitles were smaller. I Good found point. It easier to read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the. Um, also, there's less dialogue in this film. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just is. Yeah. Which is why I said that the, sub, the, the foreign language won't really be as big of an issue. I because didn't feel like I was struggling. No, no. I, yeah, I was curious because whenever I saw this the first time, I really wasn't looking forward to it. I was like, oh, it's Same. foreign language. Same. Uh, I, only, I think I taught it for the first time, I think it was September of this past year. So mm-hmm. this school year. Yeah. Uh, but as a result, you end up watching it almost two or three times in total when you start looking at scenes and stuff but really quite found there's a natural poetry to it anyway, to a story. And the visual f- form of filmmaking is, is, is not usually my thing, mm-hmm. but definitely for foreign language film, it's like this was dead easy to sort of... That and the fact that the the subtitle text and like that they choose to use is very, very easily readable. Yes. Like, whereas some, some people don't ever consider that, but that is an easily readable yeah, font that they've I found, used. I found it easy. Something, if I find it easy, then... Yeah. Something that uh, is interesting about this film that not a lot of films do is Guillermo del Toro actually wrote the subtitles. Oh, wow. Because he'd on a previous film yeah. called The Devil's Backbone, he said that the subtitles that were translated were for the thinking impaired and incredibly bad. <laughs> so he spent a month working with two other people and said he didn't want it to feel like you were watching a subtitled film. You know what? He kind of, he kind of did nail that. A, I think he pulls it off. There's a massive yeah. difference between – I was, we did a bit on it when I was in uni because obviously Greek, like ancient Greek and Latin and things, like the translations that you read, you can read – so many very different translations of the same thing because literal translations require are uh, you can't ever read yeah. because they don't things don't often translate properly but then if you like interpret them you can interpret them very very differently so i think it's really important that the actual person that 
and, wrote it did the subtitles. And there's also the idea about tone, though, as well. So not just get something incorrect, mm. but how do you say it? Because if you're like, I want Vidal to say this, and I want him to come off like an absolute jerk, mm. whereas a little translation might not get mm. that emphasis across. You go, but what if you said it like this instead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't tell him to re- react it because he's you've got it. It's on film. you got nothing yeah. else to do with it. Yeah, so yeah. How can I literally put the words so it matches what it appears on his face? And so by having him do that, I'm like, well done, you. Yeah, Good yeah, shout. yeah, yeah. So, uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro, who's previously done... It's, these are all films Ethan would like. Blade 2? I like Blade 2. Okay, Hellboy? Not seen that. Okay, so you've probably seen Hellboy 2. No. Georgia, you've seen The Shape of Water. Yes. And uh, Nightmare Alley, which I think just came out a little bit ago. And then he's doing a stop-motion version of Pinocchio for Netflix. Ooh. Yeah, that... Interestingly enough, when I was at work last summer, a young lad had a production bag with the Pinocchio. Shut up! Yeah. Wow. His uncle was involved somehow. Don't That's know, crazy. Don't know how, but yeah. So we had a little boy had this bag that had the new Pinocchio logo on. It was really cool. Are you lying? Uh, <laughs> oh, there we go. I don't like. I'm a real boy. I don't like Pinocchio. I've not watched it. It's one of those ones I haven't watched. Maybe it'll grow on me. <laughs> uh, written by You're branching out there we go <laughs> uh, I should get a conscience uh, written by Guillermo del Toro carry on I'll keep you some stick <laughs> uh, cinematography by, by Guillermo Navarro so we got two Guillermo's uh, Guillermo Navarro did the cinematography on From Dust Till Dawn that's good name Jackie Brown I've it. never seen Jackie Brown me either Spy Kids both Hellboys mm. Night at the Museum I like Night Museum. Yeah, the first one's yeah. really... Actually, yeah, it's really good. I didn't want to like it. I really liked it. The first it. one is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Twilight Breaking Dawn, part one mm, and two. I've not seen those. And Doolittle. Oh, I've not seen that either. Is the that one, the Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. one? I've, I have... The, the cinematography in it is good. Oh, is it? Because yeah. that movie is like slated bad. The, the cinematography is good. Uh, music by <laughs> Javier Navarrete, who's also done The Devil's Backbone, Byzantium, and a film that was only just called Whore. So, Brilliant. There we go. To the point. Um, I think it was a, that was a translated title. I think it was something else. Was the music original. horrible? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'd make jokes, but they'd be totally inappropriate. I know, I know. So, uh, I think Puerta, I think, is a uh, whore in Spanish. I think it was P-U-T-A. Yeah. Puta. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, they, they translate slightly differently, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's also can be used for a body part, I think. In, in puta, colloquially. bitch or something. That uh, can be that. It's generally yeah, just yeah, a yeah. negative female term of derogatory. Yeah, you. Uh, it was. Yeah, that was son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like so many swear words in all languages, but especially like obviously more familiar with English are female based, and it makes me so mad. All of the worst ones are female based. C word, T word, <laughs> female based. Oh, yeah. Whereas the you C word for sure. T. Oh, yeah. It the, means the same thing. The D word. Yeah, you get Oh, it. sorry. I had the wrong T word. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was thinking higher up. <laughs> Tits. Yeah. Tits is not a swear word. Uh, I definitely wouldn't I definitely wouldn't say it in the you, classroom. You such lower word you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what was amazing. When I, I think that's an English thing though, because it, we would just call someone tit. You're an absolute tit, Leo. Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, we wouldn't. I'll tell you what was a British term and I'll I was like what, I was like, what's going on? The tits. <laughs> I was um my first year teaching. I was uh, assigned to sort of help this old guy. Um, oh, I don't remember his name now. I guess I don't remember his name, but I do. Um, um, but anyway, he was doing like a year 13 form or year 12 form, so down at the sixth form. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was he was a bit of like that old school style of 
like generation of teachers who yeah. kind of show, you know, you can imagine <laughs> you didn't do anything wrong, but you can imagine there's that old generation of teachers you hear who probably had it sixth form who would like, you know, show up with their coffee a little bit late and spend no time in the classroom and none of stuff like that. And, but he was talking about some mistake he made and he went, Oh, I'm sorry. I think I cocked that up, everybody. <laughs> I, I looked at him like, what? what? What are you saying? You can't, you can't talk like that. And, and in this country, that's an acceptable term. It is. For, yeah. for up, yeah. basically, yeah. he's saying. There's a yeah. Right? So, I cocked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, that's really normal. Yeah. So yeah, it is interesting, kind of. But they all seem to go to those. We do have a lot of them that seem to go towards our sexual regions it's for whatever reason. Either vaginas or penises. Yeah. Yeah. A bit genitalia. That's great. Or 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 the backside. Yeah. 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 Oh, hello, wind. Oh, Pip was here for me. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure he's not. No, he's not him. All right, so let's start. Uh, we get the uh, prelude and we get that haunting melody. Uh, da, 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 oh. da. And we, we have to do some reading on top right. of our reading. Uh, and we get some sort of news about um, a little girl. Yeah. Who, um, well, yeah, a little bit of that. But we also see this child who's bleeding from the nose, but the blood goes back up into her nose. Yeah. Because, but we hear her breathe. It's obviously, you know, they've recorded it backwards, or well, they haven't recorded it backwards. They've probably played it through backwards. Um, and so uh, we have that going on. But then we find out it was a long time ago in the underground realm where there are no lies and no pain. There was a princess, but the princess wanted to, f- such a terrible girl, wanted to feel sunlight on her face and the wind in her hair. And so she escaped the Sounds underground. Like a yeah, it sounds like yeah. And so she escaped the underground. Like if this was like a Disney movie, this would be like tra- tangled or whatever. Like yeah. you know, oh that bad Hang girl. On a Didn't you say Del Toro did Blade Two? Yeah. Well, there's a scene in that where Luke Goss plays this vampire. Who at the end of it he goes, "I want to see a sunrise." Oh really? Yeah. You know, feel yeah. the sun on his face. There you go. He's reusing stuff. And then uh, when she got up there, the sun blinded her, made her forget her memories. And so even though it might be another body at another time, uh, the spirit of the princess, the prophecy says, would one day return. And the king waits for her return. And this is where we then find Spain, 1944. And we get a... That's the reading on top of the reading. Yep. And we get a um, we get a mother and her daughter, and they're in the car, and she's reading a book about fairy tales with a very typical looking fairy silhouette. And the girl in question is Ophelia, played by Ivana Boncaro, who's absolutely fantastic in this film. She carries this movie. I am not a fan of child actors. I find them to be overly precocious. You can. If, if I may, you can tell it's a foreign film because they, they don't feel the need to bank on a stupid trope like that. Yep. No, the kid's just the kid. It's not yep. like, is this not enough jokes per minute for, <laughs> like, you know, especially after I've just watched Obi-Wan, the girl who played Leia is just so mind-numbingly make sure she's got a joke every three seconds in her mouth. Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> this girl has heart, and if not for one moment do I think I'm watching a child I mean, she's playing a child, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's not. But uh, it's not. I don't have to make any allowances and go. Well, she's. Oh, it's a shame. But she is just a kid. No, she's. It's not like that. Thor: Love and Thunder, where I went. Why are all the kids terrible? <laughs> they <laughs> okay, weren't don't, terrible. Don't, don't, don't ruin the movie. For There's me. some kids. In there. <laughs> I'm going to see them. They're terrible. Um, and so, um, 
but that here we go. Um, Del Toro said he was nervous about casting the lead role, uh, not the not the titular role, because that would be, I guess, nobody because it's pans on the movie. As it finished, no, he's the fawn. Yeah. Yeah. So we watched a film called Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, that is the name of the fawn. But the fawn isn't Pan. He's just called the fawn. At no point in this movie does he call himself Pan. No, I know he doesn't. But that is obviously the translation is the labyrinth of the fawn. That is the yeah, insinuation yeah, is, is that is that guy. Yeah. Um, actually, no, it's not. Can I can I get back to the minutes? I can prove it. Okay. Well, the, but in if it's which name which name did he which can title I just get, back, can I just get to it when it's the proper time because I don't have it in my notes. I can't find it. Right okay. So, um, what do I have here? Um, this is the finding the ten year old Spanish actress. Oh, Ethan's not here anyway, so I wasn't planning on doing an age game. <laughs> um, was purely accidental. The film was shot from June to October 2005 uh, when she was 11. Uh, the character I wrote was initially younger, about eight or nine, and Ivana came in, and she was a little older, but with this curly hair, which I never imagined the girl having, but I loved her first reading. My wife was crying, and the cameraman was crying after her reading, and I knew hands down Ivana was the best actress that had shown up, yet I needed to, I knew I needed to change the screenplay to accommodate her age. To be fair, she does seem to play, with exception of a couple lines like i'm too old for fairy tales and so are you yeah, yeah, yeah. how much more are you having to change yeah, exactly yeah um well, we don't know what it was originally right but i think i think she plays it pretty much like i would have imagined like an eight-year-old playing this no she, i think she's that little bit older i know obviously she is but she comes across as more slightly more mature than an eight-year-old would I think that's important for this version of the story. Right, I'm, but he said to change the screenplay. As far as lines written and, and dialogue that's presented, there might have been stuff in there before. There might have been. Okay, <laughs> the only lines I got that had anything to do with the fact that she's older is just people going, "I stopped believing in fairies by the time I was your age." That's it. Yeah, because they'd taken the other stuff out. <laughs> that's what they mean by change, changing no, the, the screenplay the other- doesn't necessarily mean adding stuff in. It could quite easily be taking stuff out. If you had, if, okay, I'm saying if you had put an eight year old in this role, and you had said just read the lines as we, as we found them here today, mm-hmm. the only thing I would have to take out to make that work are the lines about I'm too old. You're too old to be reading that stuff. That's it. Yeah, for the version we saw, but okay. that's not the version here's that the you problem. had to change. Yeah, but here's the problem. You can't ever... Pro- <laughs> we're at we're, 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 we're an impasse. Because you can't ever prove what was never there. Because you're not going to have access to it. You're never able yeah. to go, here's the stuff I found. So as a result, you can always go, well, you don't know what he took out. And I'm going, I hear you on that. So I'm saying of the stuff that was left in, there's only two lines I can think of that really make any sort of thing. That's it. I think if they had a young Danny Glover in this, <laughs> he's getting too old for this. I'm shit. too old. <laughs> Every, or everybody could tell him you're getting too old for this. Yeah. Uh, where are we at here? Um, Boncaro says that Del Toro sent her many comics and fairy tales to get into the atmosphere of Ophelia and more into what she felt. She says that, that she thought the film was marvelous and that at the same time it can bring you pain and sadness and scariness and happiness. And I think she's accurate there. Not much happiness, though. Uh, well, it depends how you read the final bit of the film. Yeah. Uh, let's meet Carmen, played by Ariadna Gill. Uh, what do we think about her? She was very good. Yeah. Really who, who was this, sorry? This the is mom. the mum. The mum. Yeah. Um, um, she didn't really have much other than the I'm ill, I'm not well. Yeah, I mean, she's pretty... It doesn't give her a lot to do. That that's the point. Um, yeah. No, there's a, no. I'm with Georgia. There's a, there's. It's it's not the it's not the character that's going to make you 
latch on. Like, if it's me, which one? Like, oh, I love Mercedes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. uh, Mercedes gets to be badass. Yeah, yeah. And there's the other side of this is for every Mercedes, there's probably 10 Carmens yeah. who would go, I need to do what I need to do to survive. It's not easy. No. Yeah. Uh, says your brother is acting up, which was a nice way of kind of going, A, she's pregnant. B, we think it's a boy. Mm-hmm. Ophelia goes for a walk and finds the missing eye of a statue. At which point, Liam starts going, "Don't put it in! Don't put it in! Don't put!" I don't, I don't know what kind of movie you thought this was. <laughs> I thought the mouth was going to shut, and you know she'd be running. Through I think K's. you thought this was going to be the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be more Indiana Jones. Did you know anything about this film? Like, did you know anything? Nothing. Okay, I'll be honest. It's not a film that appeals to me. A, it's subtitled, which I struggle with. B. Um, it sounded horror based. Okay. So, even though I said it was a fairy tale for adults last week, yeah, I, and well, I picked I it. I didn't know. I, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I, I stayed clear of this because of what I thought it was. Yeah, how um, wrong was I? Yeah, I don't know. You tell me later on. Um, don't put it in. Don't put it in. She put it in. Um, <laughs> and then she goes, "I want you to call him father." And we haven't met him yet. We haven't met Vidal at this uh, point. Nope. Um, but she says, she, says, she continues, you have no idea how good he has been to us. And then she says, it's just a word. That's all it is. And I'm like, oh, that's a scary thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's a very, if I may say, jaded life view. Because mm. I think titles like this are important. And why would you insist on it? Because she's terrified that he'll take away everything that he's given to her. I think she wants to believe what she's saying that he has. She's trying to, she was trying to convince herself that she's happy. Okay, maybe I'm assuming the boy yep. um, is his. Oh, I think 1,000%, yes. And by saying that, you know, call him father gives them equal footing in the family rather than her being sure. separate to the family. Sure. Maybe. And her mother's just being caring yeah. and want her to. I mean, I can, yeah, I mean, I've got a step-parent. You've got a step-parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll share with him about mine. You can share what you're choosing to do. Another, I don't call my stepdad dad or father or anything like that. Um, I do call him by his first name, and I've felt for a while <laughs> sharing time. Sharing time is caring time. I felt for a while I probably should find some sort of title because he's been good. He's he's a good yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a good man. He deserves. But the 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 dad word's hard because because there was a guy who had that name. And I just don't want to just reassign that word, whether it's a word or not. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? But I do feel like there should be something. And so I, I, so I see this as just a word, and I go, oh, no, no. These are important. These are titles. Yeah. Titles by which we honor people. And so, um, and then to have that pressure. And I, rem- I remember, I remember a conversation with my mom about, certain things and titles and yada 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 and a little bit of you know i took my stepdad's surname for a few years at school and i think it's because i think it's because there was a little bit of pressure maybe a similar thing about trying to go hey well we'll, we can be a family and it's a symbol it's it's just a word it's just a name it's just a thing and yeah if you know people who knew me in high school they'd have a totally different surname 
Oh, okay. Down in my head. And, and like it's my, my lot in life, people call me by my surname no matter what it is. Yeah, 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 I just yeah. I don't know if Ian really effectively <laughs> encapsulates <laughs> who I am, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it is a rather dull name, Ian. So maybe that's why these other ones sort of stick out a bit more. Yeah, maybe. So there's that. So kind of the, this, this part sort of resonated with me. Um, it wasn't consistent like has like happened in the movie. But then again, it's a movie, and that's why you make it consistent. So that every time there's that meeting, or every time it gets brought up, you know it's going to be a moment of tension, and therefore an interesting story. So, okay. yeah, I don't know. Uh, Georgia, do you have any aunts or uncles who aren't really your aunts and uncles, but you call aunt and uncle? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, I, I often call my mother by her first name, though, because she doesn't respond to mum, so. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. Oh, we used to. That's funny. So many times I have been sat, literally just across the room from her and you go mum mum <laughs> mum karen yes oh for goodness sake come on and yeah she's a karen but she's not a karen but she is a karen um i had a karen haircut for a bit didn't I? you did have a karen haircut for a bit yeah no she's they just doesn't she's not just mum it's, it's hilarious i think i think my sister would call my mum by her first name when they were arguing yeah because it would, it would rile my mum up oh mum doesn't care like she, no. she doesn't care but in then the but then when mum was acting a bit a bit a bit a bit nuts we would uh we, we had a nickname for <laughs> and the second part was our <laughs> we, we'd call her oh, that's crazy jade <laughs> and uh mom laughed along and so a couple times she said she didn't like it <laughs> but uh yeah it's, it's weird it's but no i was never one of these ones who would kind of cons- and it, liam you've been out with me where students have found me outside yes. of school yeah 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 yeah. and it's interesting because for them they have to make that decision is is this still sir or do they try and uh, or or mr so-and-so yeah yeah or am i going to try and call me in and my response is generally the same if they try and call me in i just kind of smile and go all right i mean you're, you're just, see here's the secret the secret's not that i don't have to call you sir i don't have to call you this i said you're right you, you don't have to call me this this is the part where you get to choose to call me this and that's the part which is where you determine how, how much respect or class is really involved. I'm not sitting, I'm not an authoritarian. I'm not sitting here. You don't do it. The secret is you don't do it because the rules tell you you have to do it. You hopefully do it because there's respect. It's funny you say that. When I left school, I saw a teacher that, um, uh, he was very good to me, really. Um, but I was a bit of a nightmare. And I gave him a hard time. And never. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, in hindsight, we've spoke since then, and we're we're, we're good with each other. And uh, but I still call him sir. So even to this day, yeah. even though we associate in the circles I associate in with our drama, because uh, his wife is in a lot of productions, um, I still call him sir. And you can see when his wife looks at me, <laughs> she kind of goes, "Oh, you still call him sir?" Yeah. And he takes it just, and he goes, "I go, I hope you don't mind me calling you sir, sir." I said, "But you've always been sir to me, sir." Yeah. And, and he laughs, and he goes, "No," he said, "That's fine." I said, because it feels weird calling you by your first name when I've known you as my teacher, so you're always sir to me. When I was in teacher's college, um, I sort of reconnected with an old um, English teacher. I, I kind of mentored a little bit. Mm-hmm. Our styles are very different, but I remember <laughs> I only had them for the equivalent of A-level. We used to call it OAC in Canada. Mm-hmm grade 13, something like that. And it was only for students who were going to go to university. It was a special year that you just did for that. And um, um, 
I, I, so I, I'd sort of not been around for it, but then sort of sort of reestablished that relationship. And he was like, you don't have to call him a surname. I'm like, eh, it's not really going to happen. <laughs> and it was a few years. And then finally, uh, he invited me to help. His school was doing some sort of a lock-in thing to raise money. It was like a 40-hour famine or something like that. 30-hour yeah. famine, whatever. It was just, you know, you don't need to raise money to, for, for, to, to raise aid for food-related stuff in uh, usually Africa. Um, and so he said, I need some, I need some uh, DBS verified, um, police checked, whatever you want to call it, people who are okay to, to work with uh, uh, students. Uh, to help me sort of chaperone this thing. Are you up for it? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Happy to, happy to. Whatever I can do to help. Uh, and so we're sitting there, and uh, we sort of took it in shifts, sort of monitoring, because you want to make sure kids aren't going to do anything bad. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's like, I, every worst-case scenario is just running through your head. Going, <laughs> what is going on here? This is not good. Um, but I remember we were upstairs in the staff room, <laughs> like t-shirts and boxer shorts getting like three hours of sleep is what we're trying to do and he's at 90 and i'm like night ron because at that point i'm like i'm like where are t-shirts and pants like <laughs> you don't get much more we're peers now than this do you you no it was good it was good i whenever i go home whenever i go home now i try and catch his band because he's in a he's in this great this great little sort of pub band and yeah, yeah, uh yeah. i always go up and see him hey how you doing yeah it's great yeah really well done <laughs> that's funny yeah so a little bit of a diatribe there about 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 uh, sirs and, and fathers and all that stuff and then we hear a ticking clock and we hear it before we see captain vidal played by sergey lopez this is the guy who read the script or had the script told to him very good very good. very good uh, del toro met with lopez in barcelona a year and a half to ask him to play vidal in parts of spain lopez was considered a melodramatic or comedic actor Oh, and wow. the Madrid-based producers told Del Toro, you should be very careful. You don't know about these things because you're Mexican. But this guy's not going to be able to deliver that kind of performance. <laughs> Del Toro replied, well, it's not that I don't know. It's that I don't care. Of the character, Lopez himself said, he is the most evil character I've played in my career. It's impossible to improve upon it. The character is so solid and so well-written. Vidal is deranged, a psychopath who's impossible to defend. Yep. Even though his father's personality marked his existence and is certainly one of the reasons for his mental disorder, that cannot be an excuse. Now, I didn't really pick up on a mental disorder. Is anybody... Oh, he's absolutely got some sort of, like, um, want to prove himself. Oh, he's like he's obsessed by his father, Spectre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's it's yeah. Like almost like a um, it's like an emotional kind of like trauma. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, he said it would seem very cynical to use it to justify or explain his cruel and cowardly acts. I think it's great the film does not consider any justification of fascism, and this is the other side of it: is going, you know, Spanish actors commenting on their own past in a sense by by sort of playing these roles. This mm-hmm. isn't sixty years, but it's not that far. Like people's grandparents would be able to tell stories about this. At that yeah, point. yeah, yeah. So, uh, in order to make Vidal more menacing, Del Toro made Lopez lower his voice an octave and speak as neutral as possible. Which he did. He didn't rage. No, 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 no. Very soft-spoken. <sighs> Powerful Just, performance. Yeah. Uh, when So he meets the children, uh, of course, um, and he's right down there at belly level, talk, kiss in the stomach or hand on the stomach or talking. Like, like he's very, he's in love with the idea he's having a son. Yeah. Absolutely. Loves that. Yep, yep. Uh, he says, bienvenidos. 
when addressing two or more women, you should say Benvenidas. But because of Bienvenidos, it shows he's more interested in his unborn son than he is the women around. Oh, yeah, because certain languages have male and female pronouns. English is one of the few that don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's literally saying welcome son rather than welcome wife and daughter. Like, that is the... The kind of connotation it would have. It's 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 a it's a group invitation, but it's a group invitation welcoming greeting that would include males and females. Mm-hmm. So, even though there's not really a female a male, male yet, yet, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he wants you've got male. He wants Carmen <laughs> in the chair, and she's like, "No, I won't do it." And he just goes, "Oh, for me." And it's not really menacing, but there's oh, a yeah. lot of presence on hand. His hand going on shoulders and how he says it to her yep yeah i feel doesn't call him anything there's this pause and it's brilliant because as as, uh, as an audience del toro's got us looking at his hand sorry looking for for her to respond yep. and what she's gonna do and actually do the opposite and the longer it waits the more tension that's sort of created there so i thought that was really really effective and he just talks her she goes to shake his hand but uses the wrong hand I love that. i'm guessing that must be much more of an issue uh co- contextually yeah 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 so at that point in time maybe in in that place i don't know uh pan's labyrinth uh, employs some cgi in case you noticed but uh usually uses complex makeup and animatronics um she chases one of the flies uh, oh we didn't say that when you get out of the car there's like this like dragonfly looking thing that's a, that's yeah. that's animation isn't it? it's what comes out oh that's totally that's what comes out when she don't yeah, put it in don't no, put it exactly. in it's yeah, what comes yeah, out of the mouth yeah, 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 yeah we and so it's flown and there's a nice follow shot when they're in the car of the dragonfly they eventually like they call it a like fairy a stick insect. yeah it's like a stick insect that can with fly. wings yeah yeah and so it's sort of so and this kind of chirpy sort of sound to it whenever like it cricket. would do yeah, yeah. Like a cricket and uh and so she sort of sees it there and she goes did you fall like it's very on the nose did you follow us here okay chases him into the start of a stone maze it's a labyrinth no david bowie to be seen why does she see it as a fairy not an insect well this is the interesting thing is that we're going to talk and i mean the film gives us a choice of two options and how it ends can we recap that when we get there Okay, okay yeah So we meet Mercedes, played by Maribel Verdu, who the women in this film are so good. So good. This is basically one of the essays I teach my students to write, is write about how the women are fantastic and varied. Varied. Whereas the men are also varied as well, but typically we get the much more negative, toxic, masculine sides to a lot, but the women have a whole range. The women are strong in different ways. Yeah. Very strong. And this goes back to my Steel Magnolias argument. Don't tell me that a man can't write female characters incredibly well. Yeah, true. Because this guy does. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, she follows um, Ophelia out to the, the maze. Del Toro selected her to play the compassionate revolutionary because he saw a sadness in her that he thought would be perfect for the part. There is. I see a strength in that sadness yeah. as well, though. Yeah. Yeah. And very quickly she's established as a confidant for Ophelia, mm-hmm. someone she can talk to, an exposition machine if you need to convince her on that. He's not my father. Okay. She goes, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard you. keep beating the drum. Uh, we go to the war room, and when they go to the war room, the camera lingers on Mercedes as Vidal's giving information to his underlings, and so if we're paying attention, you can see her sort of clocking and listening yeah. to what's being told. I think very quickly... Uh, 
Well, I don't know. How quickly did, did, did you discover that Mercedes is a double agent? Very quickly. You can tell, by the way, she she has that quiet presence. Yeah. More listen than interact. And anybody who's more listening than interacting, there's something going on there. Yeah. And we see a hand go on her shoulder again to go tell her to fetch the doctor. Very. And you know what? People don't give the doctor in my research enough credit. Dr. Ferrero, played by Alex Angulo. I think he's fantastic as well. Oh. He says he's at Carmen's disposal 24 hours a day. And he says, well, you or your nurse. And the camera pans down to her. And she kind of giggles. And that within, within 10 seconds, you're going, I like him. Yeah. They've established him as being, he's going to be a good guy. Yep. Because they just found, because Vidal ignores her, so we make the doctor the exact opposite yep. of him. And they really are. Yep. They're the, they the foils to each other. Yep. Um, Mercedes and the doctor have a conversation about someone's wound not getting any better, and that's the nice thing. It shows us these little sort of, does it give us all the information? No, it doesn't. And I love that it doesn't, because I can fill, that can be filled in later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he gives her supplies, and like I'll tell you this, though. Like, Carmen's terrible. Carmen Mercedes is terrible at hiding this. She really must have been invisible to uh, to Vidal because, like, Oph- she, uh, every time she turns around, Ophelia is watching her do something. Uh, back to mother, it's all so blue, and this is what I was talking about. So anything that happens in the quote real world, yeah, is blue and gray to represent the bleakness of Franco's Spain. Okay. Anything that happens in the fantasy worlds are typically bathed in orange and yellow lights to show their magical properties. Yep. So that was, and as the film goes on, that the bluers, the blues get bluer and the oranges get orangier. So yep. That's what I noticed. Yep, I noticed that. Um, um, uh, she's been put, and by she I mean mother, has been put on bed rest now. They talk about the house making noises. This is Ophelia and um carmen and how it almost seems and it's it's kind of gives us like imagination like speech like it's almost like they're talking to each other isn't it and so a large part of this movie is is any of this in her imagination is all of this in her imagination is none of this in her imagination but the movie gives us these clues early on to go yeah it it might be be. it might be it might not I don't know. What was your thought on this, Georgia? What with the... With, with which bit? Oh, I, it was or the, in general? I guess in general. Because well, I think you wanted to save that, didn't you? Well, it's not the big thing, but this the sort of scene where she talks about, hey, it's about your imagination. It's, it's a really cute moment, and it, the film needed a moment where Ophelia and her mum are just getting on, mm. and they're having a moment, and she's doing that mum thing. The little girl's scared about being out in the country and the wind and all that sounds, and her mum's trying to calm her nerves by actually playing to Ophelia's... Imagination and creativity. Imagination and creativity, which is kind of an area that's very strong in her. Yeah. So does this was that something you clocked as being significant, or because for me I kind of went, oh, it kind of sets up other large parts of the movie potentially. I didn't realize she was talking about imagination there. I thought she was just talking about how the it sounds like the house is talking. Right, I guess that would be evidence of of imagination in my. It's just it's just personifying it. I didn't read that as like tagging into anything other than just that's how you talk to a child. Like I mean, I was I was more intrigued by her telling the little the little brother a story. I do want to talk about that actually because I I think I deleted I had some notes on that. Um, I said I've got my notes. She shares a fairy tale, but I don't really remember a huge part about it. Do you? Uh, yeah. So the fairy tale is about how there is a rose that grows in the darkness that um, 
can offer the person who picks it um immortality and loss of pain and all of these sorts of things um but the men down below in the mountain won't ever go near it because its thorns have poison in it so they don't ever talk about the wonders that they could have they only talk about the pain that they already have um and eventually because the men stop talking about it altogether they forget about it that the the rose dies by itself so it never is able to give its power to anyone else sad i wonder if there's a metaphor here about risk yeah and about so like the rebels right and there's a million reasons not to fight but if you don't fight because you're afraid of death and you don't get what that victory could 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 mean Mm. uh or is it just a fairy tale i don't know but this film plays this film links everything so closely now they're gonna do more with that i know we had a shot of the inside of the baby at this point yeah and we had some sort of imagery of the of the flower and things they were gonna do more with it they were gonna have a dragon as well but it was cut for budgetary reasons it was cut short so they gave us like half of what they could have given us really i guess i did look at it probably like one of the more expensive shots in the the movie actually um, and then she does say, why did you have to get married? And mom says, I was alone too long. She goes, no, you weren't alone. You were with me. And she goes, when you're older, you'll understand. It hasn't been easy for me either. Back then was different, wasn't it, than what it is today? Yep. You know, it was a stigma. Security. Yeah, security. Yeah. You know, being a, a lone woman with a child at that time was a, seen as a, not an outcast. Well, I guess you were, but you were seen as it was wrong. To, but to go from this well he he died so that there's that it wasn't a divorce no. but um to go from that to now you're the wife of of like a captain or a general or whatever he is like you had a bit more standing captain. in life captain yeah captain. but she's like the woman of this household now mm. so you know there's something in that um something to maybe talk about um the captain's room is made to look like the inside of his father's watch it said, which Guillermo del Toro said represents his troubled mind. Um, he's all about fixing this broken clock. And this is where we can start talking about some of the intertextual references. And the big one from this movie has got to be Alice in Wonderland, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's so much Alice in Wonderland. Yes. And the first is the rabbit with the watch. I'm late. I'm late. This obsession yeah. with time. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and so he asked the doctor, how's my son? And the doctor's like, you shouldn't have made, you shouldn't have moved her. You shouldn't have moved her. And he goes, is that your opinion? And he goes, yeah it's my professional opinion at which point you're like okay good the doctor's not going to be intimidated he's not going to be bullied and he goes uh how can you be so sure he says that's curiosity how can you be so sure it's a son the response is just don't fuck with me yeah so that was interesting um and that massively speaks of like abuse and trauma and like not being able to accept that anything other than what you need it to be is accurate he's like in full uh, like trauma mode that is like he can't accept that anything else could be true because if it could be true then he's he might as well be dead if you go back to your first viewing of this film was anybody expecting him to just like have this giant ragey moment when a daughter was born instead no because it's 1944 like there, there's no uh, way of finding out no you what gender you're no. having so i thought they were setting us up for this thing then when he gets a daughter because he was so confident and even when the doctor goes how are you so sure yeah i was like oh we're gonna prove him right because he's the good guy and and vidal's clearly the villain yeah the comeuppance makes the most sense if it's a girl i don't think because of how it's set up though because the because the doctor points it out i think then if you then if it is a girl it's kind of like oh we already knew it was going to be because the doctor said it was it kind of spins it on its head by having it still be a boy okay i I, I think because if you if you 
if it is a girl, I think he just kills her, and that's that's. An, oh, I hope not. Jeez. Well, still, think of all of the stuff he said about don't don't fuck with him. Yeah, but it's still his still his kid. Killed Ophelia, though, is he? Well, not at this point in the film. Not, not, no. not yet. <laughs> no, but no, but the wife is still alive at this point as well. Yeah, but, I think, <laughs> but I think it takes a lot more for him to because at one point in the film he does look at her as if to go, I could do something here, yeah. and I don't. He chooses not I, to. I thought they were. I just thought they were just from, and this is what makes it unique. But I said just from my my reading. My expectation was 100% it's going to be a girl because they're leading me down this road of the villain who's so overly confident, the trusted aide who's going, how are you sure? Him saying, don't fuck with me. And you're going, everything that I know about movies is screaming. This deserves a a correction. So actually, when you don't do it, it's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it makes me go, okay, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. So I think, I think even if that was a girl, I think Mercedes would have took it. Oh, for sure. He would have oh, the child. absolutely. He would, he would have just, I don't think he'd have done anything to harm the child. I just think, because. It's different. It's, it's different when it's, I, I believe, I know he's, he's, a, he's a monster. It's, I think it's different when it's your child, I would hope. Well, yeah, I, I'd hope too. <laughs> um, back to, oh, so we're hunting rabbits. I was going to say, it feels very <laughs> Elmer Fudd. Be very, very quiet. Uh, <laughs> Um, they've found two suspected communists or rebels, they think. And we said, no, no, we're just hunting rabbits. And it's a father and a son. And the son's got, which is actually really interesting. I've never thought of this before. It's a father Until and a son. Now, yeah. Wow. Okay. I need, I need, I need to pick more and on the, that. The son is backing up everything the father says, even without evidence. Because the dad yeah. is out hunting, hunting rabbits. And if my father says he's hunting rabbits, he's an honest man. That's what he's doing. And they find some communist propaganda they believe in his bag. And they try and talk through it, and the son's not picking up that he needs to shut up. And he keeps talking back, and then finally they find this bottle of wine they've got, and they use the base of it, and he bludgeons, Vidal bludgeons the guy in the head until... Bludgeons? He, he caves his head in. Yeah. Um, and that's why I said bludgeons. Bludgeons is, a, bludgeons is a nice, strong word. Cave. <laughs> Um, I found this spot, and the and the father is to watch this, and of course, I think there's a message in that. And then he just goes ahead and he shoots, and Vidal's man was like right behind him, and he goes, "Oh, he's going to shoot him! I better get out of the line of fire," which I appreciated. I appreciate that. Um, And then he goes through, and he finds that there's two dead rabbits, and then he yells at the guy. He doesn't yell. He says, "Maybe next time, you 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 guys." I'm using a different word because he used a body part that we talked about earlier in the in the in the one that everybody has. Uh, and he says, maybe you'll learn how to how to search somebody properly. And then off he goes. And basically pins the death on... Yeah, he didn't take any responsibility for that. No, basically said, I killed him and it's your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gave me the wrong information. Yeah. Yep. Um, We go back to Ophelia. Uh, she's sleeping, but she wakes up, feels there's something in the room. It's the giant um, fairy, I guess we'll call it from, from earlier. Uh, it then changes... When she shows the um, fairy what a sort of traditional literary fairy would look like through a silhouette in her book. That's weird. And the fairy changes shape like it's Bumblebee in the first and only yeah. good Transformers movie. Yeah, yes. So, yeah. That was weird. It was weird. Um, and so this is where, again, I'm going, huh. I think this points to the fact that it's not all imagination. Because if it was all imagination, it would already look like what she expected it to look like. Whereas this is a creature from another realm 
transforming itself to look like what she expected it to look like but not because she not because that's not how she saw it originally if she thought it was a fairy originally which she says right at the beginning i saw a fairy fairy, Mm. it would already have looked like the fairies she's used to whereas this is just one kind of appeasing it's literal princess is appeasing the princess of this round by turning into what it thinks she wants it to look like can i provide the 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 alternative reading go for it the alternative reading is she's unhappy mm-hmm. she continues to be unhappy as she continues to be unhappy she now manifests the world around her to force itself into this narrative she's got going on in her head and this is a step of that as a coping mechanism for her isolation for her solitude for her abandonment by her mother mm-hmm. for totally valid medical reasons. Oh, I'm not saying that mine's right. I'm just saying that, 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 that that's the alternate. Cause reading. that does go back to, uh, that does go back to that insect thing, doesn't it? And then it goes flip flops. Yep. So let's continue on. Um, it bring, they go through the grounds till they find the circular staircase that we saw in the prelude. They go down and a tree appears to become sentient. And then we meet the fawn played by, Doug Jones. Uh, Del Toro, the idea of the farm from childhood experiences he had with lucid dreaming. He stayed on the Charlie Rose show. And every midnight, he would wake up and a fawn would step out from behind his grandfather's clock. Um, originally, the fawn was supposed to be a class. This is in the movie now. It's supposed to be an, uh, a, a classic half man, half goat fawn fraught with beauty. But in the end, the fawn was altered to what we saw a goat faced creature, almost completely made out of earth, moss, vines, and tree bark. He became a mysterious, semi suspicious relic who gave both the impression of trustworthiness and many signs to warn someone never to confide in him at all. The original Spanish title refers to the fawns of Roman mythology, while the English, German, and French titles specifically refer to the fawn like the Greek deity Pan. However, Del Toro has stated the fawn in the film is not Pan. Del Toro says he felt the fawn is just a normal fawn and that Pan himself was too dark and sexual for a fairy tale starring an eight-year-old girl. Okay. So why did it get titled Pan's Labyrinth here then? And not- I don't have that information, but I've, I've got the quote from, yeah. from him saying it's not Pan. Do you know who the fawn looked like to me? It actually said, uh, I think it quoted him as the narrator on um, it did, on yeah. the. Oh, is that what they call uh, uh, in, in Spanish, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Tenacious D <laughs> and the the devil. Yeah, it does. Oh, and there. Is that a movie? Is that a movie or music video? What is that? It's well, a music video. Well, yeah. kind of. Kind of yeah. both. A little bit of yeah. both? Yeah. Okay. I haven't, as you can see, I haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about this, Georgia, because I feel like this is your. A, I think this is a movie for you. Um, because of the practical effects, and B, you just love practical effects in general. So it's kind of a combination of your things. What did you make of? I don't want to skip by this because I usually would. But what did you make of the fawn? He's beautiful. That is a, that is a work of art. Is what that is. It's, it's it's so lovely to the point that at some point times you can't tell whether it's practical or CGI. I'll give him yeah, hundred percent practical. Yeah, it looks CGI in places, which is saying something because yeah. it doesn't look bad CGI. It looks good CGI. The only CGI is they took something away with CGI. They took away his legs. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, so, I, go ahead. I, I felt like um, this was a character to be scared of to start with, but the more you saw the fawn, the more you... Oh, they play both in, sides with this character. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, it, but it was more... So that, that is what fawns are said, in when mythology. When you said beautiful, yeah. 
at points I was like, yeah, he's he's he's. And a good at points he's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. In, uh, but it doesn't feel like he's betraying the character at all. No, no, he's no. he's just terrifying uh, in places. Strange. Yeah. yeah. I want to know how they did the eyes because the I eyes are amazing. Clever. Have you got that? Yep. Uh, Jones had previously worked at Del Toro on Mimic and Hellboy. He was also the only English-speaking actor on the film. Wow. And the only other person who was bilingual was Del Toro. Wow. So that's it. That's the only yeah. guy you can talk to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Go direct to the director. <laughs> Del Toro sent him an email saying, you must be in the film. No one else can play this part but you. Jones responded enthusiastically to an English translation of the, of the script, but didn't know that it was going to be shot in Spanish, <laughs> <laughs> which he did not speak. Uh, Jones said he was terrified. And Del Toro suggested learning the script phonetically, but he rejected it, preferring instead to learn the words himself. He said, I really, really buckled down and committed to getting it right word for word. And I got the pronunciation semi-right before I even went in. Uh, it took five hours a day to get the costume and makeup on to practice. Wow. So he used that time to practice the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Del Toro later decided to dub Jones's voice oh. with that of Pablo Adan, an authoritative theater actor. I'll say this. The voice is spot on. Yeah. Uh, but Jones's effort remained valuable because the voice actor was able to match his delivery with Jones's mouth movements. It's so weird he gave because, him the yeah, so because if you I, didn't, didn't, I didn't feel disjointed. If you'd have just mouthed the words phonetically, you wouldn't have had the right mouth movements to match when it was dubbed in. So no, it, the effort was definitely worth it. Yeah. Uh, Doug Jones not only had to memorize his own lines, but also Ivanka Boncaro's because... Uh, the way they did the eyes and the thing, there were servos that were operated by like rem- remote control. Yeah. To I, do, I don't know what a servo is. A servo? It's like like little gears and things like that that move everything around. Like, Independently. Right. A lot, like just like a little, like a circuit board or? Well, I think normally. You, 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 can, you can hear the gears and stuff moving around as it receives signals from wherever yeah, they're sending it to. Yeah, right, yeah, okay. Yeah. So as a result, he can't hear her lines. Oh, okay. So he'd have to look for her mouth and go, okay, she, she must be saying something like this. And if her mouth sort of matches what he thinks is going through his head, he now knows he can say his next line. That is the commitment. Yeah. Well done. Um, says that they, the servos that made the facial expressions and ears move were so loud he often couldn't hear her speaker lines. Um, we said it took five hours in the chair um, while the makeup team uh, applied the makeup, which was mostly latex foam, but the last piece were the pair of horns, which weighed 10 pounds and were extremely tiring to wear. Because that's all on your neck, isn't that it? That's neck, yeah. yeah. The legs were unique design with Jones standing on 20-centimeter high lifts. So that's two-thirds of a stand ruler. Yeah, I, I figured he was on like some sort of... Um still blade thing that's because they've taken out the back of the leg in cgi oh. so it looks like like a goat's like almost oh, okay. yeah and the legs of the farm were attached to his own his lower leg was eventually digitally erased in post-production oh uh, okay the fawn's flipping ears and blinking eyes were remotely operated through from ddt effectos especials while on set this is the servo stuff uh del toro told jones to go rock star like a glam rocker but less david bowie and more Mick Jagger. Oh, I thought you were going to say kiss then. <laughs> no, so there you go. There's your... So uh, were the eyes like electronic like plate things then, were they? Because um, obviously he needs to be able to see from somewhere, so... 
Yeah, his eyes aren't there. I think his eyes are in his... I, saw, I thought I saw something. Because there's like twirly-whirly bits, isn't there? Just above where the character's eyes are. But I, that seems like the wrong place as well to have his real eyes. So I don't, don't know where. It, it would obviously be on top of... It wouldn't be his mouth. His nose? His nose, maybe? So there's two holes for his nose, isn't there? Now, that that's also how... Well, we'll talk about that. That's also how an, another character's actor was able to see through his suit as well. Oh, really? Yeah. So... So there we go. But uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll have a little bit more on it. But yeah, yeah, it's all electronically done. So it's kind of like if I had a remote control and said eyes move to the left, eyes yeah. move to the right. Yeah, it's an animatronic. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. So. Um, clever. Very clever. And even like the, the, not just the eyes moving, but eyelids and things like that. Everything moving independently yeah. and making it all go in sync. Yeah. Brilliant. You should, just speaking of that, the animatronics they use in like Disney nowadays look like that. But like there's, there's one for Pandora, so like the um, the Avatar ride, um, and the Navi Chief is looks like she almost looks real. Like they've got it so spot on now with animatronics that like even they they look scarily real. There's one in the Star Wars one as well. It's um, oh, what's the dude with the like wrinkly face and the like flight helmet? If Ethan was here, he'd know who I meant. But like he his animatronic is oh, so fluid, mean, yeah. it looks like a real person stood up on the balcony. Like it's. Okay it's insane so obviously coming from these sorts of oh, things oh is this the old woman and the new one no, no it's definitely no, a man no 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 it's oh, okay. the with the... is it mace someone mace some no oh. mace windu samuel jackson no is the one with the is it the one with the big buggy eyes or is it the one with the flappy flappy oh, the flappy, flappy, he's flappy like let me find here. him so you know yeah, who yeah, mean, but yeah, yeah. You go. i know who you mean um he says i am she asks her what his name is he says i am the mountain and the woods and the earth i am a fawn and he calls her a princess princess moana and he's gonna <laughs> give her three tasks so they will know how far she'll go you're welcome <laughs> what you just there, laughing at you there's a mark on your shoulder it looks <laughs> like the moon <laughs> It does. It does. Oh, but here's the thing. Okay, so back to my thing. There's a mark on her shoulder. It looks like the moon. She's never noticed this. You would have noticed. No, she might have noticed it. She's just now, she's appreciating it. Oh, I, I took that as a, I, okay, interesting. Because yeah. I read that as a, as a look of discovery. Do you know what was quite interesting though, right? It has to be a full moon. They talk about a full moon, don't they? Yep. Right? And that weren't a full moon. But if you did a full moon, that just looked like a circle, wouldn't it? <laughs> so they have to show you the moon. It has to be a crescent moon for that to happen. That's it? a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, she must be tested. Her spirit remains the same, and she's not immortal. There'll be three tasks. Very fairy tale like. She's given the book of crossroads. Open it when you're alone, and it will tell you what you need to know. The book's pages are empty. She can only see it when she's alone. I love this bit. Yeah, I love how it all that comes dude. to life. And again, it. Oh, Gr- Grogu. No, the, oh, sorry, this dude. I had clicked on it. Oh, um, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is either. I can't remember his name. Okay. Not who I thought. Um, Vidal shaves and smokes, his favorite things to do. Um, he gives the rabbits to Mercedes for a stew and then lectures him about his coffee being burned. And again, it's just everything's so menacing. Mm. Everything's so menacing. Hondo Onaka. Oh, Hondo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Ethan would have known that. Um, the only Hondo I know is from SWAT. There's a, there's a Hondo on Top Gun Maverick. Oh, there is. Yeah. Hondo's the guy who watches them all doing the push-ups. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the surprise Always sends him off because we because she said yes the day before. Mum said, "Oh, I've got a surprise for you tomorrow," 
and it, it's it's the most Carmen thing to give. It's this aesthetic, pretty green dress, and she's like, "I would have." Now, is your age, what I wouldn't give to have a dress like this. But also, she asks like the night before, "Is it a book?" And she says, "No, it's something much better." Yeah. which just kind of puts you in line with the two different like attitudes of women that we've got there. We've got the one that wants that thinks the best thing in the world is to look pretty and, and have security that, and please men. Yeah, and the other one that wants to read books and learn. Yeah. Because your father would be so happy to see you in this dress. Yeah. He's not my father. I thought the surprise was going to give birth to the boy. How she, she just knew? She, she wouldn't know that she was going to oh, no, give birth the just, next day. I, I just felt like that's what the, where, I thought that's where it was leading me. Um, so hey, I'm still trying to read subtitles, all right? Car- <laughs> Carmen seems to think it was... Oh, is that already? Um, Ophelia goes to have a bath, and we see her seeing the moon. I thought it was a look at Discovery. Georgia says just, just appreciation. Yeah. What was your read? Uh, you're sleeping oh, for it. No. oh this is the part i'm gonna bring up so we woke so liam kind of has a little bit we said okay what, what, what do you remember and he listed off way more than i thought he, he he would know yeah but he completely missed the fawn yeah <laughs> what about, what about the, the the dude that like the tree that looked alive he, he listed like so much minute detail and the one thing was the fawn the <laughs> most interesting thing that so Liam's really gripped about this poor girl's struggle in franco and spain <laughs> uh did you have a thought on this or no uh no not really i I, I like the bath I didn't like the setting of where the bath was I like the bath I wonder what a bath is like when they sort of pour like you know boiling water well one of the buckets would have been hot one have been cold so that's why they were oh that's why they oh, were right? been, yeah and also that well, it was more of a, a copper bath wasn't it rather than a so that keep the heat wouldn't it yeah i don't know these things that'd burn your ass you have to it? be really careful with copper baths yeah because yeah. the, the metal heats up that's yeah, why we don't it's use, a conductive material isn't yeah it? that's why yeah. we don't use metal baths anymore Whew. there you go set your ass on fire <laughs> um we see and then mercedes is in the kitchen she's called to see the captain and she we see her pocket this knife and by pocket i mean roll it up in her apron mm-hmm. and we see that throughout the film yeah but how she kind of rolls it yep that unroll yeah i have no idea how that if she tucked it under a belt or something I she understand. folds it upwards like so I guess folds do folds do stay if you've got something in them it's i how... guess the thought would be if you ever searched pockets and stuff or maybe she doesn't have pockets yeah i mean it gives her a chance to you know no one's probably looking there yeah um ophelia comes down in her dress and she looks like a green alice in wonderland she yep. does yeah it's yeah. that dress i said to you halfway through this is very alice in wonderland oh oh and we can talk about alice in wonderland when it comes to the end of the film was because well, that this is a reading you can make of alice yeah. in wonderland that yeah, goes two yeah, ways yeah, yeah. Uh, ophelia speaks about her experiences of fairies and fawns to mercedes mercedes says i don't believe in fairies she's out she's asked outright do you in fairies no i was a little girl but i don't there's many things i don't believe in anymore well, yeah, she's been tarnished. She's been hurt. She's. Uh, I think it also speaks to the the uh, experience of the Spanish people in yeah, this, yeah, yeah. in this, you know, after a civil war. So forget the fact that Franco now wins. Yeah, like what was the war like before that? And now, and now you're stuck kind of serving the enemy. She's kind of running the household, isn't she? Mm-hmm. So she also says that her mother always told her to be wary of fawns, which is very interesting as well. Which is thank you. Yeah, it's excellent. I, I didn't have that down, but the idea that we trust mercedes yeah but we want to like the fawn and this is the first hint of going oh mm. okay i gotta watch out for something now yeah it's really clever how they treat the fawn in this movie so it puts you on edge but then takes you back off of edge yeah, by, yeah it's, it's very interesting um 
So Mercedes says, I said that already, a bunch of rations are put into a mill or a pantry or a storeroom of some sorts, and the Republicans go in search of the rebels because there's some smoke or something they can see on the horizon. But while that's happening, Ophelia's doing task one. She has to do three tasks by the next full moon. So she's got to put three magic stones in the mouth of a toad and take the golden key out of his mouth because it will save this tree that stopped bearing fruit because the the frog the toad's presence is is basically destroying what's happening and the tree is the reason that there was fairies and magical mythical creatures there we go and so um vidal gets to where the smoke was and he finds a lottery ticket but a little vial of antibiotics and he pockets the vial for later Mm. i think it'll be important it is um he addresses the group and starts shouting at them but nothing happens there's a good joke about how it might be your lucky day (laughs) <laughs> come get your lottery ticket it might be your lucky day yeah <laughs> um didn't know they had lottery tickets back then. I, I was really surprised yeah how do you how do you access them like they're in the middle of nowhere yeah yeah uh unless, it must be like a week long or two weeks long or a monthly yeah um the noises made by the toad in this uh sequence is guillermo del toro himself Oh, is Brilliant. It? Yeah. Um, there's lots of insects, and Liam and I are kind of getting both grossed out by this. And Georgia's just going, Yeah, this is me at work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally that. Yeah. If you had like a big creepy crawly thing like that crawling up your arm, would you just let it let it sit there? I'd probably say hello to it. Really? Yeah. But you wouldn't like flick it off or something? No, I'd be like, hi. Oh, really? Oh, and then oh, if, it, if I was getting annoyed by it, I'd be like, are you going to pay rent or are you going to leave? Oh, but wow. Like, no, yeah, don't bother me. me. No, as soon as I saw it, let's go off. The Woo! only things I do swat away are like mosquitoes and wasps okay. because they hurt. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, she tricks the toad into eating the magic stones and it then pukes up the inside of its stomach and Ugh. disappears. And that was gross. Oh, that was gross. Thankfully, the key is like a, like just barely at the top. Imagine, Imagine she had to like like. like carry I thought she, I thought she was going to. So did I. I was a little bit disappointed when she didn't. Oh. Yeah. You thought she was going to what? Like have to like oh, yeah. dig, dig in, in through the that gold sludge. She emerged gross. from the mission absolutely filthy, and then we find her dress that she had taken off to go in there. Um, she had some sort of an under dress, just like a um. Like a I, don't, I don't say slip because slip sounds. It is a slip. Sp- but, it? Okay. Yeah, but it was it was just a child like cotton slip. A yeah. cotton, okay. Um, and then she finds, uh, and we see that the wind has carried her dress off a little bit. But then she comes back like she's been rolling around in mud in it. I feel it's my perspective. The two readings, my perspective is going. Is that rep? Does that represent how muddy she would have been? And why would you put it back on? Yeah. So my theory is. It looks that muddy when she go walk when we pan over to it in the mud. Like it does look that dirty if, already. If you go with a reading that maybe this is a bit imaginary, yes. And then the stuff with the toad in the tree and all that stuff really doesn't happen. Doesn't, then, no. then she's just crawling around the mud playing, yes. and that's fine. Yes. And then we get her not having done any of these adventures, just having done whatever, and she walks back. Yes, all muddy up. Always, that's always but you can totally read. She put it up there. It lands in mud. It gets filthy. Why does she put it on? Maybe it's less trouble than showing up almost naked. Don't know. <laughs> because it would be it would be more frowned upon to turn up in your slip than it would be to turn up in a muddy dress. Sure. So she puts the dress back on. Um, where am I at here? Uh, but dinner party. And remember, like they're having this like dinner party when food is being rationed. 
Yeah. So like we have the corruption. Like a big so not only do you not like them, they're clearly being corrupt. Yeah, of course. Right? And so they're sitting there and we have a priest there and the priest famously goes, you know, I don't think God really cares what we do to them because he's already got their souls, so he doesn't care about what happens to their bodies. And I'm like, okay, anti-church, got yep. it. <laughs> and uh, I, I think there is a commentary out there about the the way the Catholic Church behaved during Franco's regime that's being addressed here. Um, I said God already has their souls, but I felt souls like the souls on your shoes. <laughs> uh, we Can won you imagine the- if that's what God took? Like that's why you knew you were about to die because like the, all of the souls of your shoes just disappeared. <laughs> like ah, oh, damn it. There we go, that my soul's gone. Soul's that problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the sole voice of reason on this podcast. Um, soul man. <laughs> um, and Vidal says, we won the war, and if we have to kill every one of them to prove it, we will. will yeah. Ophelia's found by Mercedes wearing the green dress that's been all soiled. Uh, Carmen is shamed by Vidal for talking about their past and the past sounds suspect very suspect that's why he doesn't want it brought up in yeah front of people. he used to buy all his costumes and costumes his clothes his suits from um carmen's husband and then um he dies and then a little bit later they reconnect and now they're getting married mm. and then he shuts it down very quickly felt and my, my wife is new to the world or something, he says. Yeah, really yeah. weird. There's a lot of commentary as well, especially from Ophelia, but from other people as well, about how pretty Carmen is. And so, I mean, there's definitely a reading that he sees her, likes her, keeps coming back because he wants to find out about sure. him, and then he, he kills him. Kill, yeah, he kills the comes husband. Back for her. Comes back with the appropriate amount of time has gone because by. Because he and... wants her to have his son. Because she said she was alone a long time, like, from the sound, it was less than a year between when her husband died and when she started seeing Vidal. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's an interesting statement there. But a year is the mark. how long was he at war for? Mm. Was he in the war? Is that what it said? Yeah, he died in. That's what the that's what Ophelia says. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So okay. So he's a captain. Is there any? Can you put him in harm's? Oh, were they on different sides? They might have been on different sides. So does he just? Yeah. I don't imagine. Yeah, I don't imagine. He, for how she worships her father, I don't imagine he's um, on on Franco's side. Although she wouldn't know any better, she's only a child. No, she wouldn't. But I think the film's establishing him as the clear, oh yeah, yeah. as the clear other point. And here. her as being subservient to him, though, clothes maker. Do you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. So uh, they, I think they'd be opposing sides. Yeah. Um. There we go. Um. Carmen, I've said a little bit. Another soldier gives the backstory of the watch and basically gives us the exposition about what's the deal with the watch. You know, is it true that he smashed the watch so that some would know exactly what time he died to show that he was a brave man? And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. My father didn't own a watch. And we're like, dude, you carry the watch yeah, everywhere. Like, if he only went to his, like, to his room and like looked at the watch there yeah. but like he's got that watch out for everything and that's not a small the difference watch. being though it's a functioning working watch now so it can't possibly be the watch that his father had he hasn't fixed the glass the glass is still no, shattered the glass is shattered but everything else works yeah. inside it oh, he's fixed enough. everything inside uh back to the portal and we've got uh <laughs> there's a statue of the fawn and ophelia and a baby and she goes who's the baby and he's basically like anyways <laughs> yep and again if, remember our last thing we heard was don't trust fawns yep yep um two tasks remain and the moon is almost full and i'm going oh that sounds harsh mm. or not harsh but it sounds like we need to we need to get on with it out. yeah and then his next line is be patient 
I'm like, that feels contradictory. Very. Don't trust um, the phone. He starts showing himself to be untrustworthy, I think, because he starts caressing her face a lot Oof. in this scene. Yeah. And he's saying, oh, would a poor little fawn like me lie to you? And you're like, okay, my uh, yeah, 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 yeah. My, my, my meter's going all over the place. <laughs> all over the place. Um, the next day, the, the locals are trying to get their, their rations of food, and we keep hearing the same message. There is bread for all in Franco, Spain, over and over and over again. This this, cl- this clearly... Only one very small loaf of it per family, yep. but... This is your daily. This is your daily bread. This is your say. daily bread. So I guess you have to come Something. every day. Or that I mean, daily bread is a saying, isn't it? Though give so, us this day or daily yeah. bread. Wasn't yeah. there about keeping warm as well? Or yeah, everyone. Everyone is fire. Everyone is this. Yeah. But it is like this message: like we are telling you what your experience it's is, and you will like. and you will say yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very dictatorship. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's. I saw images when uh, COVID was what about giant speakers they put in uh, parts of China. Mm-hmm. And people woke up, and there were these big speakers broadcasting the message that everybody was having to hear and obey. Wow! And you're just like, can you imagine if we woke up and there's you know just giant speakers out in the street telling us what we can and can't do? Yeah. Woo! Stay on the pavement. <laughs> Go in the front door. Left uh, foot first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sit down. Oh, uh, so she opens the book and says, "Show me what's happening now," and the book goes all red. Yeah, I saw that. And what you were awake for that, were you? Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then you could read very clearly into what that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So instantly we go, must be bad, and we go yeah. uh, into the. She goes back out of the bathroom towards her mum, and her mum shows the female parts, doesn't it? To start with, does it? Yeah, it yeah. looks very ovary. Yeah, yeah, doesn't it? And then it all just goes red, red. and her mum's hemorrhaging badly. Um, we sort of fast forward that Ophelia should be given her own room. The doctor will stay on site. Um, as a result, he's started by Vidal to make her well. Um, is this where he says, "But if you have to save one, no, save the yet. boy." Ah, okay. Not yet. Uh, Ophelia tells Mercedes that she knows Mercedes is uh, helping the men in the woods, and Mercedes is terrified. But they both say that they won't. They won't hurt each other. They embrace, and Ophelia asks for a lullaby. And Liam went, that's the last thing I need right now. <laughs> She's trying to stay awake. Uh, yeah. uh, but nice do- lullaby, though. Isn't lovely know, lullaby. Don't know the words, but know the tune. N- she says. Yep. Uh, and the doctor and Mercedes sneak off in, into the woods. <laughs> into the woods. Uh, and home in the morning. <laughs> the fawn goes to Ophelia's room and shames her for her negligence. So now the fawn can come to her room. Uh, he gives her a mandrake root to put under her mother's bed uh, with milk and blood. Um, she's instructed to, uh, she's going to go somewhere. And when you go there, you need to see the feast and not eat anything. Don't eat anything. Don't Your life eat depends or drink on anything. it. Just, Very just, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, again, again. It's, it's another thing, isn't it? Eat and drink. Um, so. Um, meanwhile, Ophelia and a doctor visit the troops and they have to take a man's leg off. Whoa. And I guess this was an important scene because we need to see, uh, A, that they've got this spirit about them, don't they? And they're getting by on nothing, but there's like a fraternity amongst yeah. them. And so... Um, Whereas the other side are just doing their jobs, they are very much working together as a team and yeah, coming together for different things. Yeah. And even the bit where he's, the doctor's going to amputate this guy's leg, and he's about to do it, and he's like, "Hold on!" And he just wants to look at the his his 
He wants to look down and, and see, two, see two legs one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, those scenes are very orange as well as the... Uh, yes, they are. Why do we need to see it, though? Why can't they just cut well, away? To be fair, we just... He was cutting lots away there. Oh, I saw that break. <laughs> <laughs> I almost heaved. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I didn't... I purposely didn't watch it. I know it is it's part of the cinema experience, but there's some things that I, I would... Going... I enjoy films more if I don't see those things, so I purposely don't you watch. You get the first move and that's it. Yeah. Um, bloody hell, Georgia. <laughs> uh where are we at here there was one that really got you later on <sighs> um so they took the first cut and task number two uh, ophelia makes a chalk outline and it opens a realm again orange and yellow everywhere she flips the hourglass and we have our ri- a literal race against time taking place here mm-hmm. um well i guess not literal what's a well, race against time when there's actually a literal hourglass yeah so there's that you're not l- time's not literally beside you and you're not running <laughs> no. so i don't know tell me is that literal is that not literal i think i'm okay saying literal but get back to me on that um there's a great feast on the table and there's images and we see the pale man and the pale man was probably the most marketed image when this first came out people seem to love the pale man I didn't know this. um he's you know almost like a, he's got elements almost like a mummy yeah but he doesn't have any eyes he's got two slits so he's got the voldemort nose going on mm. And that's how the actor would see through it. And then you've got the mouth and you've got these two pierce marks in his hands, which again could be read as like biblical imagery again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the eyes are on a plate in front of him. So a really interesting character design. Yeah. Uh, the actor who plays this is Doug Jones. I was going to say, it's, it's same guy. Is it, the font. Doug oh. Jones, isn't he proportionally like his arms are quite long, I believe. I don't is know. This, that. Is this that guy? There's someone who does a lot of these roles that, is chosen for them because proportionally their body looks weird. Okay. Like, like long arms, This guy's considered legs. like one of the greatest physical actors it in might, the world. It might be him. Yeah. I don't know. But like, he also did uh, the, a lot of the stuff for, I think one of the King Kong movies, like with the, um, not King Kong, the apes, Planet of the Apes, because oh, okay. he's able to, he looks like, because the arms are so long, yeah. he looks like he's got okay. more of the like ape-like look. So I don't know if it is that guy, but I mean, he does an amazing job regardless. He does um what do we got here um there's images of on tapestries above the uh above the the feast of the pale man eating children like like the great greek god Kronos, and piles of shoes in the corner and that's that's very uh auschwitz that's auschwitz yeah Yeah. yeah. so i actually i'm gonna share a story here if i make so have you ever ever been to auschwitz no it sounds really weird but when I said love to go, no, no, I mean. don't mean love to go. No, no, no I, I know what you mean. Just it, it's a place you feel you, you should go, almost obligated to go. Yeah, to experience. Yeah, I, I, I want to. So, yeah, I went on vacation with some friends to crack off. <laughs> <laughs> the Pope came to crack off. That's right. So, uh, and the one day we're like, we're going to go to Auschwitz, and we went there in the morning. I'm glad we went there in the morning. Um, but as we're driving up. Uh, and I'm do. Uh, we're we're learning all about. Um, There's a video that sort of gets you in case somehow you didn't know about the Holocaust. It's like let's give you some essential information. Yeah. And they talked about um, when the the um, I'm trying to think what the, the correct term. It's just when 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 those who've been kidnapped against their will, the prisoners, the the, the, the Jewish community, yeah. were brought there. They were stripped of all of their valuables. 
Everything. And they were put into these piles. And I've seen the piles. Glasses. Glasses, one of them, but shoes was a massive one. And they put all the valuables into a place called Canada House. And they called it Canada House because Canada was seen as a land of uh, wealth at that time, wealth and luxury. Okay. Now, I didn't know this. First, I've ever heard of this. First, it sounds like you've heard of this. Yeah. I'm doing the thing that good Canadians do, (laughs) which is when you travel. You don't want to be mistaken for an American. Yeah. Because people treat you poorly if they think you're American. I think it's the reputation of the aggressive American tourist. So, like all good Canadians, you don yourself in some sort of maple leaf. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a little patch on a backpack. But you want to have something that distinguishes you as Canadian. I'm just wearing a Team Canada hockey jersey, which feels like the least sensitive thing as I'm walking around Auschwitz where Canada House is a thing. Jeez. So, yeah, like, no one gave me a bad luck. No one even said, oh, I, didn't, titch, titch. I just felt like an absolute ass the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but no, Auschwitz, I'm very, if anybody's ever going to go, uh, I, again, should- again, again, it feels weird to save us. I would recommend it. Yeah. I would also recommend doing it in the morning. Because then you go ahead, you get back into Krakow, and then you go have lunch. Yeah. Go have lunch, and that will – I think you reflect pretty heavily. It's about an hour's drive. Okay. So I think you just kind of have that lunch and just sort of wash that experience off you. I had the same thing when I went into the 9-11 memorial. Yeah. Sorry, crash site. We, the memorial was still being constructed when I went there. But again, it was this heaviness in the school group. And then we went on a ferry and had some. We we needed that buffer to kind of just yeah, yeah, yeah. let that let us process what, what we've just experienced. Because man, it's hard. We shouldn't forget what happened because um, so many lives were lost. But also, someone who's been before told me that even there's no sound of but the, the silence. There's no bird sounds. There's no nothing. I don't remember, but yeah, I, I can believe that. Yeah, but someone said the silence is just deafening. Yeah, there's there's two sides to Auschwitz. The one um, where sort of the the uh, I don't want to get this in- incorrect, but there was like one that seemed more like a residential area mm. for it, and that's where I saw all the rooms full of shoes and things like that. Yeah. And then it was the second site, which is the larger site, but that was the site where they came in off the train. And that's where you get the, the train tracks that still sort of stretch yeah, out. Yeah. And you go, oh, okay. This is my, this is my, um, as a human being, right? Mm-hmm. You can have someone as bad as Himmler and uh, Hitler and all these people, right? Gearing. But there must be somebody in who's working there, he must go, this is not right. This feels wrong. You know? And that's what my, you'd, you'd, my argument... You'd think so. This is, this is my argument with this film, with the, the other soldiers. I feel like somebody would go, what you're doing here is wrong. What, Vidal? Yeah. Uh, keep in mind, because they all believe these... Because they, they fought a war, a civil war, yeah. and they've won. And if it's like, if I'm going to keep this going, how many more have to die? So it's this, it's this belief that you are right. So I don't see it so much with this. Now, if they saw him shoot his daughter, and we're like, yeah, we're still with you, man. Then I might have had to go, okay, yeah. step too far. But... Um, People do very strange things when they believe what they believe is right. Tribalism. Mm. They're the problem. We're the solution, us and them. 
they are wrong, we are right. Yeah. You've, oh, you've only got to look at modern day America at the moment, have you? To see that and yeah, still but in action. I, I, I can, even my worst enemy, I could not imagine inflicting so much pain on somebody. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think it speaks yeah, to I, I just, a different time. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, no, I hear you. I, I couldn't do it. I, 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 not, I think I, neither could I. No, I know, but I mean, but they would, uh, there was a, a doctor who talked about this during um, uh, and spoke to uh, people of the time, and there was a, it's not me that's doing it, so that's okay. Separational something. Sure. I don't know. You, you, I'm even though I'm participating, I'm not the one who's in control of this. Uh, I'm doing this because I'm being told to. And I'm just following orders. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, even the doctor in this, he says it, doesn't he? He says you're to follow someone's orders without questioning is something only you could do. Like yeah. It takes a different type of person to not just blindly follow what they're told. And a lot of people will because of safety. I'm that doctor. <laughs> Whereas the doctor, because he, I mean, he's on, he's on the better side from what we see. He does question it and won't just do what he's told to do. Because surely so. common sense should prevail over things, certain things, you know, just because yeah. I say do something doesn't mean you have to do it. It's a safety net for a lot of is, people, though. Yeah. Is the doctor like a Spanish Stanley Tucci? Yes. <laughs> Just a thought. Ophelia <laughs> um, puts a key in a small lock and finds a knife. Ophelia then spots the grapes and eats two, and the Pale Man awakens. And I don't know if you noticed this, just before we start talking about the plot or what happened to the Pale Man. Did you notice the layout of this room is very similar to the layout of the dinner party earlier in the movie? Yeah. It's also the night that she's told to go to bed without supper, so it makes sense that she'd eat something. Because she hasn't eaten anything. Yeah, but she's been told. There must be consequences. But the fact that she... Because even, even, even the fairies sort of come along and go, no, 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 yeah. no, type thing, and you just go, swat them away. Why would you take so much interest in them while they're trying to tell you, and then all of a sudden... that That is a frustrating thing for me. Swat away. When I watch this, I go, and there's a comment on it here, but... Um, okay. Um, Jones' dual casting, for what it's worth, is intended to suggest the pale man along with the toad is either a creation of the fawn or the fawn himself in another form. Uh, the pale man's hands on his eyes is a, sh- is a feature shared by a Japanese mytholog- a mythological monster called the T-Nome, which means hand eyes. Um, An eye in hand? <laughs> the saggy skin look of the pale man is actually inspired by a bout of weight loss that Guillermo del Toro did himself. Oh, wow. So um, Doug Jones would look out the, the nostrils and his legs were attached to Jones over the green leotard he wore. <laughs> uh, Stephen King attended a screening of the film and sat next to Guillermo del Toro. According to del Toro, King squirmed when the pale man chased Ophelia. Del Toro compared the experience of, see, of making Stephen King squirm equal to winning an Oscar. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It made me squirm. Uh, it's been said that for the fairy eating scene, Doug Jones had to bite condoms filled with fake blood. Yeah. So basically, what happens is we've sort of she eats two grapes. She does. She's almost like everything's going well, and then she just gets like you see the head just sort of slowly pivot, and everyone's like, "No, no, no!" And she swats them away and eats one. When she eats one, we see the pale man start to twitch, yeah. and then when she eats the second one, we start seeing more of it and she's in this complete trance until basically she watches the the i think the fairy we'd gotten to know the most no it's not it's not oh, it's not the green fairy yeah. stays alive it's the oh, pink and the blue one the blue 
the blue, the pink one's first, and the blue one I think gets eaten. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize there were three feathers. <laughs> but I knew the last one would have like a greenish tinge to it. So the I, green I like, one is the one that I'm we, we know. Do you know what yeah. this reminded me of? This reminded me of the Adam and Eve situation, you know, of the forbidden. Yeah, I think that's exactly what this is. Yeah. 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 I'm going to put you in a situation. It's, 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 it's everything, though. It's, it's, you know, touch only the lamp. Do not take any of the other treasure. Touch only the lamp. I'm not being funny, right? If you walked into a room and you saw a guy with no eyes, with eyes on a plate, are you eating stuff? I just off? want to get out. I want to get I out. I just want to get out. Yeah. Um, some viewers believe Ophelia's eating the grapes in Pale Man's Den to be something of a too dumb to live movement moment for the young heroine. It would actually seem like a reference to what turns out to be her ultimate virtue, courageous disobedience. Now, I disagree with this. This is any, there's nothing courageous about what she's doing here. Not at all, no. um, I believe that the, the large part of this film is with courageous disobedience, but that's when you do the right thing. Uh, it's when you disobey for the right reasons. And this isn't that. According to the Toro, this theme is why the movie is set against the backdrop of fa- uh, phalangist Spain, where disobedi- disobeying the fascist regime was dangerous. Phalangist, interesting. I wonder if there's like a phalange reference there. <laughs> and the final test of the character for the princess confirms the importance of disobedience as well. Uh, but of course, as Georgia just said, Ophelia hadn't eaten for a day and was likely very hungry, which probably didn't help. I still think it is. I still have a hard time with it. I do. If it was like a line, be careful how long, how much time you spend there because the ma- you know, the magic will get you. It's like she was under some sort of trance spell, for trance, a moment, and yeah. I, I seen that explained. Yeah. I just seen that explained. Yeah, and then I'm fine with it. Yeah, and I wasn't. No, I think it could have been. It, I understand why she does eat, but I think she needs to. It needed to be shot slightly differently, so she's looking at it more and more. And then just can't help herself but take yeah. it rather than just... It's like, I've, I've hit my mark. Now I turn my head yeah. and notice it's there. If she looked at it and then was getting the key and then was like, no, it's here. And she's still... And she keeps coming back to it. Yeah. Then I... Or like, you know, oh, you know, I've got a little bit of time. You know, I'm fine. He hasn't moved. I'm okay. I've got time. Yeah. I think because she picks up his eyes on the plate and puts them back down and nothing happens, I think it kind of lulls her into a yeah. false sense of security. Um, so I'm not picking up no eyes. I'm sorry. The fairy's interference, mainly through her death, gives her time to get away. The hourglass is full, though, and the door is closed. She draws a door in the ceiling and then uses that to get into her floor, which is a cool moment. Uh, she can still hear it. Um, so there's, yeah, there's there's some sort of link, it would seem, for, for a few seconds anyway. Yeah. Um, so... Um, I've got their explosions, which creates a chance. I don't know what that means. The oh, train. explosion. They explode the train, don't they? Yeah. Or, is it, or is it the rebels are exploding? I don't places. think we're there yet, no. no. There's something, anyway, and it gives a chance for Ophelia to talk to her. Oh, hang on, yeah. I don't know what the explosions are about, but it gives a chance for Ophelia. She goes and talks to her brother and says, things out here are very bad. Mother is very sick. Mm. You have to come out soon. Please, she says, I'll make you a prince. You can come to my kingdom. I'll make you a prince. Please don't hurt mother. Has he already said, I don't basically protect the child? Not yet. Okay. We're close. The next day, everybody tells everybody else they should be doing something else. Mercedes' uh, brother says that she should go. The doctor says you all should be stopping doing this. They're all basically telling him you shouldn't be here. And everyone's decided they're going to be heroes. Not for hero- not for lame reasons, but the, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, Mercedes beats herself up, thinks she's a coward for not killing Vidal, which I thought was a really good um, character moment. Yeah. Vidal just wants to shave. <laughs> listen to the sound of a ticking as he shaves 
Uh, Ophelia prepares the Mandrake route. We get an instant feedback report. Vidal says, if there's a choice, save the baby. Yeah. You hear mothers say things like this. Yeah. You don't tend to hear a lot of fathers say things like this. The real world experience of this is usually because what happens is hopefully you've had the conversation beforehand with the partner. Um, But because when this decision has to be made, usually, unless it's written down in a birth plan, it's usually the partner. So stereotypically the father who has to make the decision. So it's very often the father that has to go save blank. In the moment. In the moment, yeah. It's just really weird that this is like so far ahead of plan. Mm. It's because he wants to be in control of it. Well, sure. Yeah, and, and, it's a great, uh, and that shows and, that he doesn't care about her. And it's a great bit for us to go, you know, is Karma anything to him besides no, a vehicle that gets him a son? Just a vehicle, yeah. Yeah. That's all she is. Because you see very little affection to her. The most affection we get is that first scene, but that's really more about her stomach than anything else. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the rebels attack. There are grenades and whatnot, and Vidal then leads his men up the hill in a gunfight, and he tells Serrano, don't be afraid, this is the only decent way to die. It was a moment of moderate, I get you. Mm. Not to justify anything you do, yeah, yeah, but I get you in this moment. I get why he's good at, I get why he's good at this. Yeah. I get why he's a good soldier in this moment. Oh, Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because his father said that is the way to die. Oh, he's, he's good. He, he he's is good at, at the war. He's good. Stuff. Yeah, he's good at yeah. A bit like Rambo. Yeah. Rambo's good at war stuff, but he's not good at normal <laughs> everyday feel stuff. Very unorganized. We're just gonna run up the hill and shoot. I mean, <laughs> all right. Um, Mercedes hears. Uh, oh, the kills are overkill. They go to everybody and go bang. I get. I get. You have to confirm they're dead, but they really make make sure they, we know that they know. They do. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that the rebels will do later on. So there oh, we yeah. go. But uh, they do take one who's still alive and can talk. Uh, Mercedes hears they took one of them to the storeroom. She runs to the storeroom, and she's beaten them there. Yeah. <laughs> how how bad is the uh, is the gossip in this place? If she knows, not only they found one, but where they're taking them before they can even show up. And they're on horseback. I heard they took one <laughs> to the <laughs> storeroom. Um, she runs. She's terrified it's Pedro. The first time I saw it, I thought it was Pedro the first time. I, I, I gapped on, which is a shame because they really do establish this stuttering character. Yeah. So he should have been really easy for me to figure out. But mm. it, it, yeah. I think it's because you see them, you only see them in darkness, don't you? Yeah. So with like half light. So it's difficult to tell who's who. And because the film is is clever enough that it doesn't necessarily go, oh, thank God it wasn't Pedro. It doesn't, yeah. it's better than that. And I, mm. I, so, okay, so I misunderstood it. That's, that's on me probably and how much attention I was paying because I was probably having my email go off because I'm at work. <laughs> right and I'm, I'm trying to answer emails while i'm watching this and yada 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 um it's not but they weren't in the storeroom yet uh carmen is getting better turns out though that they've caught the stutterer and there's a threat of torture and it's a really good speech as far as like you want a villain speech here's your villain speech and he basically says i'm really good at the torture and stuff and i'm not going to believe you at first but by the time we get through this and then to this and then to this one i'll believe anything you tell me to go it's going to get really bad. It doesn't even give the prisoner chance to just fess up straight away. Because no. he's like, I won't believe you anyway. And it's brilliant in the sense that it's all inferential. You show me some instruments of torture and we see very little torture taking place. Yeah, because what Highly it is, effective. your brain goes to the worst case scenario. Oh, absolutely does. Everything does. Absolutely does. And, and, then, and then it proves you were right. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
you know, the scene in Braveheart's far worse than this. Because mm. Braveheart, mm. even though you don't necessarily see what's happening, they sort of show you through the there's that whole pantomime what's going to happen, yeah. and then we have to have the reaction shot just of um, Gibson's face that whole scene while it's all going on but we can infer as opposed to this where you just kind of cut away and then come back yeah and he's got a bit of a swollen eye he's missing fingers he's oh is he missing fingers yeah oh. he literally takes fingers off okay I didn't see well that. I think that's he's... what i meant but it comes back and proves you were right by all thinking right. all the worst but at least at least we're not having hand. to hear the screen each step of the way and go that no, 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 yeah. No, no, yeah. um so yeah so if you if, if you decide to look at the wrong spot in the frame like i did you don't have to worry about any of this <laughs> i wish i'd look where you whereas if the camera stuck on him yeah just for a facial reaction though i mean it would be really difficult because you yeah. got to hear that yeah, yeah, yeah um what do i have here um oh and he goes i'll tell you what we don't have to do any of this if you can just count to three Ugh. and i'm like do i believe you would let him go uh, no. i don't know i don't know no he might have let him want and just bang shot him and that might have been it but yeah but you want information don't you? but this is this is mental torture yeah. now because he's never gonna be able to do it no and he goes oh. i was like it's a shame isn't it um ophelia fesses up to the fawn that she failed and he like the fawn like loses it you failed you can never return yep never yep yeah right whatever uh when she's rejected by the fawn for not following the rules he claims there were other reincarnations of princess moana before her but like her <laughs> they all failed which leads to a speculation that mercedes might have been one of the tested reincarnations of moana i think people are stretching i do since she used to believe in four i mean is that enough I, I used to believe no, in fairies. No, 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 that's stretching. This is in her imagination. This isn't. No, I can, I can, I can read that. No, they look very similar as well. Yep. And the fact that she said that her mother always warned her to be wary of fawns, like no other, like she mentions, she talks about sure. fawns. No other characters get. I mean, she doesn't. Ophelia doesn't talk to them other than mother, but she talks to Ophelia about these things. I don't know. I can, I can read that. Okay. But doctor is called because the tortured man needs to get better so we can torture him some more. Um, he tells the doctor, I, I've talked, not much, but I have talked and wants to die. Uh, Vidal notices the medicine was in a similar vial that the doctor brings. And he grabs one and goes on down to his office and compares them and goes, oh, no. But they're not exactly the same, though. No, they're not exactly the same. No. Like the tops are slightly yeah. different. I'm sure if Which actually is great for, for Vidal because if it is perfect, you go with it. But he's still so 100. Now, we know yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. But he's, he's and they clearly show a side by side. Yeah. And he, he's like, that's it. And it's like, it really isn't, though. No. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so Vidal then finds Ophelia under the bed and Carmen has to interfere and Carmen eventually is the one who throws the mandrake into the fire. Oh, and that's what's making it better. And then collapses. And the doctor is being asked why he's obeyed. He said to obey just for the sake of obeying is something only people like you can do, Captain. What a great speech. And then he walks away and he gets shot. And uh, you were saying, don't turn around, don't turn around, don't yeah, sell it, don't, don't, don't sell it. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't give him the satisfaction. He doesn't, he just falls down dead. And then instant karma is indeed going to get him. Yes. Because right then, we need a doctor. Yeah. Oh, this, yeah, I didn't think this through at all. Nope. Because the doctor probably still would have tried to save her. Of course he would. Because yeah. he's, 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 he's Hippocratic decent, Oath, right? He's, yeah, you know, he's yeah. a decent man. Yeah. Do no harm. She's, not, she's done nothing wrong. She's done nothing wrong, and it's actually someone who... That's the whole bit behind him, you know, helping to cure the rebels is the idea that, you know, people deserve to be well. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Carmen dies, and we find out from outside the room with Ophelia. They keep us outside the room just as they keep her outside the room. Really interesting choice. But you know that you, you just know, don't you? 
Yep. Because of the conversation beforehand. Mercedes is... Oh, and what we didn't mention is that when the everything gets blown up, eventually what happens is they've also nicked a, a bunch of stuff out of the storeroom. Oh, yeah, yeah. During yeah. the gunfight. And so, but he finds the key. The lock hasn't been smashed. It's just been opened. Again, he's putting his threatening voice. Well, this is another one of my, this is too stupid to live sort of yeah. moments. Because fine, you unlock it. You know what you then do? You take the flipping lock, will you? Yeah. You don't leave it there hanging. Like, this is stupid, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's clearly established. So Ophelia getting like, uh, Mercedes gives him the key earlier. He goes, this is the only key, right? She goes, mm-hmm. And we're all going, okay, it ain't. No, no. We yeah. know it ain't. yeah. And then it's just sitting there, like, not, like it's the laziest choice, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they wouldn't have, they just wouldn't have been thinking about it when they're trying to escape with as much as possible before they get found out and shot. I, the minute you open it, it goes in your pocket. Yeah, or, or if open they'd have thought it. about yeah. it, yeah, they, they should Because it's putting it. a giant flashlight that it's an inside job. Yeah, or open it and then deface it somehow. Smash it. Smash it. Take a hammer, do whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but don't do that. No. Oh, so stupid. So that, that that one, I think that one bugs me more than the, because I can deal with magic. Yeah, 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 She's magically tempted to eat this fruit, but that's just stupid. Yeah. Um, where are we at here? Oh, um, so we're playing a game of chicken between Mercedes and um, Vidal. Uh, so Mercedes realizes she's gonna she's in the sights, wakes up a feeling to say goodbye. Uh, but I'll come back for you. She goes, no, no, you no, I'll have to leave you. No, no, no. Okay, then. <laughs> and they start rushing off together. And they're caught within moments. Of course they are. Oh. Why would you put up a brolly? Just, you, you, just go. Just go. Like the kid, yeah, the kid's not going to slow me down at all. <laughs> Jeez. Let's be sure we're both underneath the umbrella. You good? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm good too. <laughs> Stay dry. <laughs> you really just crawled in mud for the first part of the movie? Um... And so they put, Vidal puts Ophelia in her room and says, if anyone tries to get in, kill her first. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. Now it's an order. It's an order for someone else. So maybe he wouldn't do it himself. Maybe it's one of those things you order and, you know, he wouldn't really kill her, would he? Let's find out. Uh, <laughs> Carmen's interrogated properly. Uh, it's established she was able to get away with everything because she was a woman, which is the it's the best thing to teach. Yeah. It's like he's such a misogynist, he didn't think for a moment a woman would do She'd this. She'd be threatening in any way. And nah. he even turns her back on her. And as he's saying this, he's proven his point. Yeah. Because he's busy. He's doing his speech. He's like, you know what I love? I love doing this speech. Yeah. I got to do speeches to 200 students about five, six, seven, eight times a year. And I love my speech. And I know exactly where I'm going. And just like a podcast, I know how I'm going to end it. And I've got my end line. You wouldn't turn your back on them, would you? Um, <laughs> but yeah, you get in the flow of it. You fall in love with what you're doing. But yeah, he's so in love with that side of it. His pride, as he says, is his chief weakness. And he, he demonstrates it as he's talking about yep, yep. it. What a great. It's, it's brilliant. What a great scene. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Uh, he's cutting through the rope yes so as he's going through his speech she's cutting through the rope and then out of nowhere because we're sort of right where the camera's in tight on Vidal yeah we just seem kind of like, oh, and then we see she's like stabbed she's and slit stabbed and slit down, yeah, his back, down his back pierces him in the chest yeah going for his shoulder. heart I would imagine shoulder. shoulder yeah and then she does a do you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> kind of cut on. I wanted to go for his jugular. Why do? You, oh. 
because killing someone is a massive burden. You, there's a there's a massive difference between stabbing someone non fatally and stabbing and someone to kill them. Oh, I, think I, oh meant, I think she's trying to kill. I think she's meant to kill him. Yeah, she's trying to kill him. She goes here, here, and there. I don't think she's meaning to kill. The the because she's already said she thinks she's stab, a coward for not killing him. The stab and slice. It's yeah. his, it's his shoulder again though. It's All nowhere right. near anything that's gonna kill. Um, I've got a problem with that later. Uh, the uh, she runs and is surrounded. She then by all these horses, and it looks like I mean they they, they, they the first time I saw this, I'm like they got me. Like she's gonna die. The only thing that made me go maybe not is because Vidal's not there. But they surround her, and she puts the, the the knife to her own neck, and they're like, "There's one guy who's like his number two. Vidal's number two. It's yeah. like, oh, we would please don't. We would prefer if we did that ourselves. And then if anyone's gonna kill you, I'd rather it was me. Yeah. And then they just like he just gets he just we don't even see where the bullets come from, which is really clever. We just see him eat it, and he takes about three bullets and just kind of reacts as one should. I generally thought she thought she was gonna kill herself. Oh. And you missed off her the best bit as she does the bit with the thing. She says, you're not the first pig I've gotten. Oh, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Which is brilliant. <laughs> um, so then um, the sharpshooters take out like the entire um, group. Uh, there's an embrace between Pedro and Mercedes amidst gunfire. And then the fawns returning, telling uh, Ophelia, I'm going to give you another chance. Do you promise to do everything I say without question? It's very Vidal, isn't it? Yes, but I think this That's is in point. her head again because he said never, and now all of a sudden he's back and given another chance. She wants vindication. Now the only thing that does I'm going to th- lean to, I'm going to give Georgia some ammunition here for, for for later on, is go. She's got no clue. She wasn't present for the conversation between the doctor and Vidal. So, so the, the fact that this is a repetition line, of yeah. it. That can't be her inferring that. Now it could just be a coincidence, as far as that. Because it'd be a coincidence either way. It's a coincidence that he's saying it, but it's a, or it's a theme or thing. But still, you get the idea. Um, <coughs> he wants the baby brought to the labyrinth. Uh, Vidal stitches his own face up. I've got my notes. He could use a doctor. Ooh, he could. Uh, he tries to drink whiskey. This was Put a great on shot. A happy face. This is great. He's bandaged his face up. He drinks the whiskey. He it's winces. Amazingly done, isn't and it? then we see the bandage blood. become soaked with like this red, but not like 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 bad stage blood red because there's some yeah. whiskey involved in it as well. Oh, it's so it's so good. Clever. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a very clever move on his part though because it cleans the inside of the cleans wound. The wound. It's brilliant. I don't think it was intentionally done for that. Oh no, I think it was because oh, he, really? he goes again. Oh, I just think it's because he's okay. That, yeah, I'll yeah. accept that. It wasn't my reading, but I'll accept that. Um, what else do we have here? Um, he sees Ophelia's chalk and might have caught her if it wasn't for the news of Ferraro being injured. And so as he runs out, Ophelia drugs his whiskey. We find out the good guys are outnumbering the bad guys, 50 to 20 minimum. And, uh, there's a heavy sedative now because when, when, when Ophelia's mom dies, she nicks the sedative that they were using to, to treat her. Yep. Um, which I don't think I realized that one properly the first time. Uh, rather than fight off the rebels, Vidal chases Ophelia, who now has the baby in her hands, and she's running for the labyrinth. And it's a great little chase scene, and then a wall is broken up that allows her entry and then closes up, and Vidal loses her because he goes by that same part, and it's not there. They so, make a very um, less impactful labyrinth because he's in and out like he knows exactly where he's going. <laughs> because he's chasing her to begin with that's why it takes him longer than to get into the center of the labyrinth because he doesn't get the shortcut he has to find his way around 
Yeah, I know, but have the fact that he's successful when he's got like half of have you ever glass done a, of sedative in him? Have you ever done a labyrinth? Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is a. Man, I've been oh, stuck it's, for it's not a maze. It's a. It is just a. It I think it's a, more of a thematic labyrinth than oh, a real. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um. So. Um, as soon as she gets there with the fawn now because he's not chasing the score disappears totally and it gives this sense of quietness now we'll build up as he gets closer and closer and closer and closer it's clever but she says give me the the the, give me your brother and she refuses he says you said you would do whatever i told you to uh and then as they're arguing about this we then get a glimpse from vidal's perspective and we don't see a fawn no we see no fawn now two readings to this reading number one there is no fawn. Yep. That's my reading, reading number two. He's too old. <laughs> it could be something like he doesn't have access to see because he's not he he's don't. not the one, so he won't see that. He's not part of their universe. Option number three, he's been heavily sedated. Mm. So not as much as that it can make you see things, it can make you unsee things. I wanna be sedated. <laughs> um was it the Ramones? It was. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. I think I saw a bunch of old people doing a cover of it. Like I think like Jimmy Fallon or something had like this group of like seniors cares group and they sang I want to be sedated as a nice little <laughs> in joke about living life in a, in like a retirement facility. Oh, that's funny. Um I like Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Uh, QV opening sequence. Uh, oh, because he takes the baby, sorry, and then shoots Ophelia before just callously walking away like it like it meant nothing. I think he shot her in her lower region. Okay. I, I, because the way he shoots her, I think he does it on purpose. Like, you will, like, never have children. You will... Wow. Do you know what I mean? That That's was dark. Like, yeah. It's potentially a stomach shot, yeah. 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 I yeah, don't... stomach shots where I was going with it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, That's the reason I got from it. Yeah, I also think... I think we need shots of her from the sternum up that aren't... Uh, Bullet holes. Yeah, true. Maybe, um, maybe read too much. I mean, it's what we do, though, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, cue the opening sequence, all blue and gray, with and, and, and the reds, though. So the blue and gray are blue and gray, but the red has clearly been individually isolated and, like, jacked up. Oh, yeah. Like, true. the reds are, like, red. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Vidal, and in the background, the fire looks like a 1950s Disney film. It does. Because in the third act, you've always got to have everything go on fire, don't you? But it looked like it had been painted. Because the, the fire, of course, isn't real. It's been done with computers. Um, because you couldn't do anything with fire in that place anyway. The whole place would go up with the yeah, type of tree. I have gone with the wind. Did it? <laughs> yeah. I really love the shot of when he comes on out and there's all the rebels. Yeah. And you see the fire Tiny in the background. And he carries on walking, yeah. Yeah. Um, Vidal says, renders his son, and he gets his watch out and says, Tell my son, tell him what time his father died. Mercedes. I love it, it's Mercedes. Cuts him off. Yeah. No, your son won't even know your you ex- name. You won't even know he existed either. Yeah. yeah. And they shoot him in the face. Oh, do we need to see that as well? Right in the cheek, opposite yeah. to his bad oh, cut lip. Oh, my eye, word. His eye goes His eye goes first. That's true. Ugh. Oh, visceral it is i think for a guy i'm gonna argue that we do have to see it like this and here's my reason why remember we get introduced to vidal by watching him cave someone's head in with a bottle yes yes, yes. i think his comeuppance has to be it has to be seen yeah it has to be c- comparable yeah yeah, yeah yeah but also he kind of ta- almost takes on the villain role even in the fairy tale side of things like he's defying the fact that she put loads of sedative in his drink and is still stumbling through almost as if he is some sort of 
zombie-esque, mummy-esque. Possessed. Horror villain. Horror villain. Yeah. Yeah. And so he has to have a very human death because if not, he... It's the it's the adage about the end of Harry Potter when Voldemort turns into fluffed, fluffy pieces, and in the book he just turns he just drops dead, okay, like a human. Yeah, um, like, the fluffy, which fluffy is much pieces, more impactful. Fluffy pieces than, could could be brought back together. Back. Yeah, so you have to see you have to see him go like a human does. I wonder if that's yeah. them going. We might be able to get some more out of this. Mm. Yeah, you know when he's chasing her through the labyrinth. Yep. Do you think that's very um, shining? Oh, I don't know because I haven't seen The Shining. Um, From what I've seen of the of The Shining, yeah, it does look a bit like that. It? It's, it's like stumbling into the walls and it's like, like he's stuff. brought elements of different things and brought them together yeah. to make his own story. He's been influenced by a lot. We see because we're watching it, and Liam just we see her blood, and he goes, "Oh, I've literally titled my section what you said. We're back where we started." <laughs> <laughs> and so the blood of the innocent. I think you said that as well. And we see it hit the pool underneath the bottom. And then we see it um, pans over <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the uh, fawn, the girl, and the baby. And then uh, we hear Mercedes singing her lullaby. But it's weird because when I, when I this is a key scene that we analyze. Yeah. And she sings it, which is diegetic, right? Because everyone can hear. Because everyone can hear it. Uh, oh, that's not it. That's La La Land. <laughs> oh, that is La La Land. They're very close. Wow. I love that you had that to hand. Uh, yeah, that was from the opening, wasn't it? Uh, it's so weird. Like, la La Land. <laughs> I, I, I love La La Land. Um, it's a much happier ending. Well, that's saying something. It's not a much happier not ending. Not really. Good point. <laughs> Um, I cried a lot. Um, I cried same. so many times. Yeah. Same. Oh, I'm surprised we haven't done La La Land yet, actually. Yeah. Well, really good movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, for about 30 seconds, Best Picture winner. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but she sings that diegetically, but then the score kicks in and oh. accompanies it. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, which one? Is, okay, so you're you're straddling both worlds yeah, in a sense yeah, yeah, and just yeah. as the scene does and we go from here to some idea of the spirit world to the afterlife to whatever it is and everything is yellow gold and red mm-hmm. and she's even wearing she's clothed in red a red robe red, red, gold, and, gold, yeah. red and gold red yeah. shoes i love those boots if i may here's the red is it red because of her blood, blood red. is it red because some sort of royal sort of difference here the red shoes. I'm gonna. Is this a Wizard of Oz reference? That could be. Because that shot of just the shoes from that angle, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a Wizard of Oz shot. Yeah. At which place? Remember, Wizard of Oz. There's no place. Was like it that. all a dream? Yeah. Exactly. Just it. It's it, it, it's there. Yeah, and I want to unpack yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So we have that, that, and then we have the father speak up and say. Um, you know, you have done, you would not let the blood of the innocent be shed, but instead gave up your own life. You have, welcome back, my daughter. And then the mom is playing the mom. (laughs) They cast the same actress. Yeah. So when we get to this is something I think works in my favor. She's also holding a baby. Yeah, she's also holding a baby. I don't think this holds up. Because I don't think, why is the mom, because we were never told, because the spirit of the mom hasn't gone anywhere. True. So, no, so why told, is the same actress? Because she's told at the beginning that she's not born, that her dad wasn't her dad. She's not ever told that her mum wasn't her mum. No, sure. She's, she's told her dad is. Sorry, what are we talking about? Ophelia is told by the fawn that she's you're not, born of the moon, but he says your real father. He says the words your real father and refers to the king. Yeah. So that's her real father. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. But he's no, she's told that who she th- thought was her father is not her father. She's yes. never told that who she thought was her mother wasn't her mother. Right. My question which makes is, makes sense that she would be in there as well. But no, because her her mom would never live a human life. If her mom's the queen of this underworld, okay, the woman who plays the queen, I would call the queen. Yeah. The queen never lives a human life. So why is the same actress playing both? Because her mo- her earth mother wouldn't be the same as her king mother. I why think, not? I, I think it's for the audience just to go, oh, well, I think it, I, I think it is. Yeah. But if, if therefore, if I want to go from my perspective, which is... She's watching over her It's all a dream. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. She's, just, she's yeah. you know, is, is what we're seeing, is this, is this real? Or is this the last? I, I, is this the last adage of someone before they die? Yeah, I, I never thought it was real. And let me give one last thing to sort of suggest one way or the other is um, sit. Oh, the mom speaks. Sit by your father's side, and all all movie long, you know, this is the real father we can talk about, right? Mm-hmm. And if wait, if her mom really is her mom, then why was she trying to get her to call Vidal dad the whole time? That doesn't line up with this character at all. I think that it's is. I think that the mother is only able to appear now in the underground world because she's already died as her human death. I reckon it's the same mother every time the uh, Moana is reincarnated through different different journeys, uh, and she dies every time to come back to see if Moana makes it. That's a that's a lot that we're having to create to make this work. I think it's all a dream. That's my reading of it. Okay. Um, I am. I'm just saying that's, that's yeah. a lot that we have to do. Okay. I just, I, I get frustrated every time we get films like this that are made <laughs> for adults. Then people go, "It's just a dream in it," because it's such a. Well, hang on, though. But I'm, yeah, not, but, I'm, not, I'm not definitively going it's a dream. No, I know, okay. but they, there are people that do, okay. and it but just I, it discounts the film so massively for what actually no, it's allowed to be a fantastical film and be made for yes. adults. You don't have to put the spin on it. Oh, but it's just a dream because there's not. No, a, but Fidel, 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 Fidel. He didn't see him. Yeah. He just saw her interacting with nothing. Yeah. Because he's not one of them. He's yeah, not from the underground world. That's not how I interpret it. You can it. explain it away, or there's multiple readings. And I so, think that's in her head. I think all of it is in her head for protecting herself to create uh, a, a means of um, getting through stuff. I think she's a tormented child. Then we... F- so if it ended the movie here, if this is the end, and she gets on the throne, and everyone applauds, and we go to credits... Is that a different movie than what we get? Because we flash back again. We do. And we flash back to Carmen mourning Ophelia. Yeah. So the last image we see is of dead girl, not of not of Princess Moana, but of dead Ophelia. So we're told right at the beginning, the up the human world has pain and suffering. The underneath yeah. world doesn't, which right. makes sense that they then link that back in. The human world still has pain and suffering. Oh, oh I'm just... Okay, but I'm saying objectively, yeah, just yeah. as much as it's you're going, happy ending. just as much as you're going, I hate it when people go through this and say, no, I can't, but I hear you, but you, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm presenting what, how the structure of the film can cause one reading yeah. over another. And I'm just saying, just so we can't be closed-mindedly going, it's this and it's only this and it's, it's all in her head and it's all a dream, da, 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 da. I don't think we can always go either. Well, it's clear because they gave us hints both ways. I'm just trying to well, that's engage why with- this, this film is so clever, but it's, I okay. feel like I've got to put my voice across because it's, because both of you are very reading it as if it's oh, just a dream. I, I think I've been, if, if I may, I think I've been very fair in going, here's something that I think helps your argument. I've said that a few times during, as, as we go through. Yeah. Um, because we get this thing here, and uh, I and, like and the last I, thing is that she dies. But then we do get a voiceover from the fawn, 
who tells us that she ruled for many centuries and she left signs behind visible only to those who know where to look. So you, you get should, the flower on the, the flower. So the last in the movie's telling me through the narrator, who is the fawn, is that she lives happily ever after the end. The last image I see is of her dying. Ophelia dying as a character with that humming, with that lullaby, lullaby. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, last, the, the last image is the flower, though. So. Yeah, so, so my last image of yeah. the of the character is yeah, of yeah, yeah, is yeah. of is of dead Ophelia, not Princess Moana. Yeah, um, because how you choose to end can be important. Now, I've, I'm going to read something in a minute that says, you know, what did what did Del Toro infer? Um, I'm not really too bothered either way when the director tells me what they intended because I'm like, you put it out in the world and it's up for everybody to kind of yes, find meaning. Interpretation. You, you you lose control of it the minute you publish it. Yeah. yeah yeah ownership of meaning is almost irrelevant that's why people say things about uh blade runner and the various different options that can end with i'm like i don't really care what the director thought i don't really care what harrison ford thought i think i watched the movie and go here's where i think i'm at yeah and there's a better movie if it's this rather than that um you've seen things people wouldn't be. <laughs> uh so we are at that point here we're in the end game now. And we are in the end game now. Uh, slightly truncated. I mean, Ethan's not here, so that should be quicker, at least from this point on. He says, I'm looking at the time frame. Um, what do you <laughs> make of the ending? Is she really the princess or just a child dying? Um, I think we've said kind of for the most part, it was hard to stay away from it as we went through. I don't think we could have saved it till now and then gone through it all. Maybe we could have. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know how I see it? I see it, and this is only my interpretation. You know how Robin Williams always talked about being a lonely kid, being on his own, and how he'd create no. these characters? <laughs> Is that what happened? I, I, I don't know. Okay, this. okay. I've, I've, I've seen interviews with him, and he said, as a child, because I was so lonely, I'd create characters in my head and okay. do all these things. How, that's how he worked on his stand-up and how he you know, gave it out to the world. In this, I felt like she was going through some sort of trauma. And the way she dealt with it was by coming up with these fantastic fairy tale stories. And we're seeing her fairy tale story of what she thinks when running alongside real life. And I think that's her escapism into what she can get control over. Like, I want to keep calling him Fidel. Vidal. Vidal. Like, like, no, Vidal. Vidal. Yeah, like, 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 like no, Vidal, Vidal Sassoon. Oh, Vidal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Vidal. Vidal, yeah. Vidal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, he has control over what he's doing, but in real life, I feel like she's trying to get control of what, because her father's passed, and, you know, her mum is now with this guy that she doesn't want to be with. Yeah. Um, I, think that's just a, I think that's just a child's way of trying to find control in some way. You hear these crazy fan theories about things like Harry Potter where he never comes out from underneath the stairs. He's just <laughs> yeah. created all these adventures where he wins at everything to compensate for his upbringing. Or Phoebe was never really one of the friends. She just sat outside the window and imagined all these stories for herself. Which yeah. is, And they're fun for little fan theories, but there's nothing in the two texts that actually would justify... Or Sandy dies. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 but yeah, there's yeah. nothing else that happens in the text that can sort of lean that way besides one reference that happens at one point. Like yeah, a flying yeah, yeah. car, I guess. Okay, we'll do um the difference between that and this is i think del toro is very cleverly put in tons of stuff to make you go oh ooh, ah i think he's and trying back to and forth you, yeah he's trying to and that's like you said it's your interpretation of how you see that um any last statement you want to make on i don't know i think i'm probably i there's a difference between kind of 
cynicism and optimism and all these sorts of things and like the there's the glass half full and half empty thing i think that comes probably into different people's readings of this film whether you want to believe in the magic or if you don't or not and those sorts of things but i was just always when like when i was growing up and when i we had to write stories for different things even as a young child we were always told the most boring ending is and then they woke up yeah which i think is one there's probably people that not necessarily this film but i think it starts a conversation about fantasy films in general and the people that go oh yeah but it was just this that and the other and i go was it though it's allowed to be just because it's not of this earth doesn't mean it's not allowed to be true in the universe of the piece so i made a reference to the very end towards wizard of oz now wizard of oz throws a curveball in there at the very end when you realize oh everybody looks like who they were on the farm but it was color and now it's black and white and is the my reading of, of wizard of oz that it was all in her head i don't know no. I don't know. I, and so my I viewpoint on this isn't, I don't sit here and go, it was all a dream. I sit in the head and go, I think it's probably a thing, but the word I use is probably. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying for sure. I'm I love a movie with open endings. Yes, uh, yes. Birdman, right. Atonement. Uh, I get really excited about those. I watch both of those with people who then, when I hate this because I don't have a definitive thing, I'm like, I love this because I don't have a definitive thing. Here's what I think it might be, but it could be this or it could be this. And that's fantastic. So it, it, it could be that she lives this life. And there's things where I go, I got a problem with the cast and the mom is a big one for me. The shot of the of the red shoes, I think, is a Wizard of Oz reference, which then at least ties in with the idea of, this is a conversation we got to at least have and deal with. If nothing else, but I like, I like, that. and that's a more interesting story than. Yeah. But isn't this a more interesting story than she really is a princess the whole time? The fact that you have to sort of bounce back and forth is brilliant. Oh yeah, no, I've said okay. several times with this one, it is, it is questionable. It is those things, but there are so many stories where people just lump it on the head of because they nest, not again not with this one, but, but like. Yeah there's people that go oh they didn't understand it or they don't want to believe it or they don't want to be open to the idea of fantastical yeah. different things and they just go oh, it's just a dream on it and that really but i am really frustrates i me. am open to it yeah i'm not, yeah, I am I'm not an I'm optimistic not, person say not i once see I said the it glass was, half full yeah i don't see it half empty but i'm trying to look at it from different points of view and for me with him not seeing the form, that was the thing for you was that okay was the definitive thing for me to go oh maybe that was just her imagination to cope but I, I, you know what I love? That he put it in there. Yeah. If I can read from the man himself. In regard to whether or not the fantasy underworld was real or a product of Ophelia's imagination, Del Toro said in an interview that while he believes it's real, the movie should tell something different to everyone. It should be a matter of personal discussion. I think that's a great way to put and it because like, I yeah, am yeah. having that discussion same, as I yeah, view definitely. it. Same. Uh, he then mentioned there were several clues in the movie indicating the underworld was indeed real. Oh, okay. But that's his. But he that's, told that's it's him going, I've made it. I think it's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I totally get if other people don't. Yeah. That's and that's not, cool. Yeah, because my brain doesn't see that. <laughs> I can get there. I just prefer... If that wasn't for that I one think, scene... I think it's so darkly beautiful if it's fake. Yeah. I think it's so darkly beautiful if it's fake. Then it's like... Like, it's so tragic. Yeah. And she's another victim of this this patriarchal... Mm, that we're happy and the small glimpse of positivity we get is that the rebels have overthrown um vidal in the end Mm. and her brother's safe but every yeah that whole family unit gone yeah so interesting he'll never know let's talk about the money 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 19 million dollar budget what do we think it takes home that's low Mm. Member, it's a limited release. Limited. I think it gets more. It gets some Oscar buzz. I think it's, right. but it's more. But yeah, I would say consider the word limited as a as a as a guiding tool. Ninety. Ninety. 
76. I'm doing some math here. I think Liam just pips it. 83.9. No? You said 90, Georgia? Mm-hmm. You just pip it. 6.1 million away. 83.9. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say 78. You said 76? I did. Yeah, you were 7.9 off. Man, you were both close. Oh. <laughs> but I think, to be fair, when the, when the budget comes in at 19, it lets you have a much narrower focus, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? When yeah. you have multiples. Yeah. Uh, Del Toro gave up his entire salary, including the back-end points. Wow. wow. So financially, he made zero. I imagine he got something for the screenplay. Yeah, yeah. That's it. To this day, he believes it was worth it. Well, of course it was worth it. If I can call you GDT, uh, I think, of course, it's worth it. You're, you're making movies. You're highly regarded. This has become the greatest, you know, CV you can put out there. Look at what I can do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it got him G-shaped award, didn't it? So. Yeah. Uh, I think this film establishes him as like an auteur yeah. in Hollywood. A bit like when, with uh, Tarantino. Yeah. 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 It, it sets There's a up. certain type of film this guy makes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The awards, six nominations at the Oscars, three wins. Anyone want to guess? Special effects? Yeah. Uh, no. Score? Nominated for score. Um, also nominated for, I mean, you don't know what I do when you say special effects, but think more specifically maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the categories of are. that character? Of the uh, yeah, the fawn. So if we look at the fawn, I mean, makeup. Yeah, makeup. Best makeup's one and best art direction. So it wins both those. Yeah. Also wins for best cinematography. Yeah. The cinematography was great in this. It's beautiful, yeah. Uh, nominated for best original screenplay. Yeah. Best original score. And nominated, but does not win for best foreign language film. Wow. What wins that year then? Uh, the Lives of Others. I mean, foreign language films are notoriously not talked about, right? So yeah, we don't. Re- yeah, yeah. They don't call it foreign language film anymore. Now they call it best international film. Yeah. But. We still have to. Can't, I mean, basically, it's an award for best non-English film. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Canada can, and something interesting I found out about Canada. this: the award for best foreign language film, or now best international film, doesn't go to the director. No, it goes to the. Um, oh, what was it? I heard, I remember hearing about this when it like when we just really? had Oscar okay. season. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. It goes yeah. to the country. Wow. So it goes to like their film governing body. Yeah. So if Canada wins, then like the Canadian film, they're gonna put it up there. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. It's 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 so almost nothing to do with it. It's almost like it's like <laughs> here's this really regular thing, and then we put like Eurovision for like one thing and yeah. go. <laughs> so that because of that reason, you can't have two um nominations in the same country. Yeah, I remember uh, people being upset okay. about it yeah, this Oscar season because it was like, yeah, hang happens? on a second, you're from that country. That means that means nothing. Like you can be from a country and whether you're patriotic or not means and how you've been brought up, that it doesn't that doesn't necessarily affect your ability to make a good film. Agreed. So why should the country get it over the individual? This one, uh, oh, this one. Uh, who would you cast as who in this film? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm Vidal, I think. <laughs> well, Liam, actually, you're kind of a comedic guy normally. If you played it really cold and neutral. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, George, you got a few different roles to play. I'm guessing you'd go for Mercedes. Yeah, Mercedes or Ophelia. Like, if I was, if it was done it depends how old like you can push i can, I can fix the script you're really too old to still play the fairies. <laughs> <laughs> there done <laughs> um i don't know oh, i'll play the doctor Doctor's yeah. good. yeah i'll play the doctor or a stutter but the doctor feels like he gets some really nice lines and again he's not a shouter no oh i love it i but love he's it very direct isn't he yeah None of them are particularly shouty at all. No. 
just Vidal when he's screaming at the <laughs> might be a lucky day. Come on out. <laughs> that's not like angry shouting, is it? That's just that's just projecting. Loud, yeah. yeah. It's the it's like the one time I found him like a moderate, like the smallest amount of likability was in that moment. Um, here's a new one. This I'm trying it this week. What should this film have been called? Not Pan's Labyrinth. Not Pan, apparently, yeah. <laughs> Fawn's Labyrinth. Yeah, just 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 or Labyrinth of the Fawn. Labyrinth of the Fawn. Yeah, yeah. Just, do a, just do a direct direct, direct translation. Direct. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to change. You definitely shouldn't call the fans labyrinth. No. Uh, and and I really shouldn't have had the eye thingies to put me off. <laughs> the hand eyes. Oh. He's brilliant. I love. I no. love that. No. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, put me off the film. Yeah. And if we weren't doing the podcast, I'd never watch this film. It did really make me laugh because um, when I was talking to Josh this morning, so I recorded with him this morning for best month ever. Can I just say, just really quickly, we love Josh at your next favorite movie. Yeah. If you have not heard your next favorite movie, you need to. You need to because you have to know a little bit about us. I think maybe a bit more, and then yes, a bit more as individuals. Uh, it's 15, 15, 20 minutes. It's, it's, it's nice, short, easy to digest sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you might even open yourself up to hearing a voice for another podcast you might be well into. And that's always good too, but still listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I said, there's room for more than one of us at the table. And Josh does a great thing. And I just want to go ahead and say your next favorite movie. Seal of approval. Done. Georgia. Uh, yeah, I was talking to him this morning um, and he said it did really make him laugh when Liam said that uh, Men in Black was too gory. <laughs> and then the fact that I then, he's like, as you start going, as a horror guy, like that made, that really made me laugh. I was like, I'm not even a horror guy. And well, it made me yeah. laugh. <laughs> and then we were talking about how this was what's today. Um, and he went, do you think Liam will like it? And I went, no, <laughs> it's not his, even though he said, is it his usual thing? And I went, no, definitely not. What, what, what I do love is that people are starting to fit, maybe starting is not the right word, but people know, people know us. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. go, is that really a, is that really going to be a film that so-and-so is going to like? <laughs> yeah. Generally, if it's some independent darling, you know, Ethan's going to love it. Of and course. if it's some big sort of blockbustery thing, Ethan's going to not like it so much. <laughs> um, me, I think people know now that I'm not into visual films and I'm generally, I want a tight script. Want a I, I like people, I like people sitting around talking, love yeah, those movies. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're impossible to review because it's like 90 pages long, yeah. my notes, but, but love those movies. I think obviously people know that George loves special effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, practical special effects that oh, is. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's also got, she's also more likely than anybody. I think to choose an animated film. Mm-hmm. True. She's also more likely to choose a foreign language film with the yes. exception of Ethan. Yeah. Essentially. Um, I was trying to think of something else. She's also more likely to choose something like the Muppets as well. Like she's just something, very something with warmth. Yeah. Yeah. Something with warmth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, and then you, you know, it's got to be before the sixties. If you're, gonna, if, you, if you're gonna pick something it's probably gonna be classic but you also unapologetically love a good blockbuster i do yeah and just because it's got stuff blowing up why can't that still be a good movie which is the whole premise about why we started this thing Liam. exactly yeah so there we are um yeah uh whose story is it i mean it's obviously ophelia's ophelia slash princess moana yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, two ends in that Moana. Just yeah. in case you're curious how far you should go with that, it's two ends. <laughs> you're welcome. What's the story here? I mean, jeez, oh, how much time you got? Yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? There's a lot going on, and I think you can read it really simply, but you can also break it down like we have for yeah 
almost three hours like it is it's a very very clever film this film would still work if it was just she really is a princess here you go well done the film would still work yeah the film works on such a bizarrely better level with this level of back and forth and so it also works if it's obviously there's, they've got a psychiatrist watching her because it's obviously all in her head. Like, you can yeah. still do it that way as well. If but the fact the, that it's in the middle is beautiful. If you've done the shot from Vidal where he sees it, instead he sees the fawn, he kind of does one of these. Yeah. Like, that would still be a crazy film. Yeah, yeah You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, just these choices they're making are just great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, the Alice in Wonderland link where, again, is that, is that all a dream or did she really go? Yeah. yeah and that's the wizard of oz was that all a dream or did she really go yeah brilliant you know what i mean yeah. and you can either be the cold-hearted no it was also or you can be that person or even the person who kind of wants to at yeah, least engage with it alice in wonderland i believe she went see i don't believe she went in alice in wonderland i do i do believe she it's interesting don't believe alice in wonderland do believe wizard of oz leaning towards don't believe this happens in this yeah i don't believe this don't happen. but it's interesting but yeah. but but it's about having. I love the term personal discussion. Is that idea where you kind of have the value? I love ones where you have to go to one, and they're like, "Which one is it?" I'm like, "It's okay if you don't have a definitive answer, mm. and you have to come to that yourself." Yeah, I love that, and that's a good talking point. And then we all have different aspects of talking about this. If we were all on the same page, it wouldn't be the same, would it? Would not be the same. Uh, let's go ahead and do favorite character. Mm, the fawn interesting choice mm. i think he's amazing because it's again what we're talking it is very much a personal reading of these sorts of things with this film um but i very much because of the ending and how it ends read it that he has been set up by the king and queen to come across as both manipulative but also trustworthy because that is what has to happen for in order to test ophelia so he has to be as trustworthy and as untrustworthy as he appears, which is why you get at the end him bowing. And there's almost a bit of like a smirky, like kind of wink nudge to his bow and how he addresses her as if to be like, I was good all along, but I needed you to doubt me because that's how this test works. And yeah. he's just such a complex character. I don't think he is just... The fact that you can read him as both trustworthy and untrustworthy i think is brilliant but i think it's done on purpose set for the challenges and i, I just really like him i think he's great okay yep. very well said can i say that that was <laughs> that was well done yeah i, I like the form too but um <clears throat> for me yeah it'd probably be the doctor because the doctor throughout this is doing stuff because it's the right thing to do and i like that he stands up to Fidel. I like the fact Vidal. that... What do I say? Videl. You keep putting an E in there when it's an A. Videl. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Did bad. we not have a discussion about how names are important? <laughs> bad dude. So bad dude. I, I, I like the fact that he didn't turn around when he got shot by him. I'm glad that um, he didn't give him an inch. Um, and I think also, even if one of the um, bad dudes was injured, he'd still help because... His moral compass is, I need to help people. So I think, uh, yeah, for me, it's the Doctor. I, I I like him. It's really hard to come up with one for this. Um, yeah, well, they've all got their, I mean, look at, what's his name? I can't even say it again. Vidal? Well, but I'm wrestling with it, and I'm going, because there's three on my short list. One is Mercedes, mm. who's amazing. Yeah, she's great. 
One is Ophelia, and I said at the top, like that little girl is so good in this movie. So good, because if this isn't done right, like none of the conversation we've had, spirited as it may have been at times, (laughs) none of that happens if she doesn't make me actually buy into this. True. Yeah. And then it was Vidal, and it's because it's really easy to do the, maybe not really easy, but you know, someone who plays villains occasionally, you know, to do the big shouty villain or the sarcastic funny villain. Those are kind of easy to go into, but the one where you're just the quiet, voiced, just evil human being, just evil. Yeah. but it's all controlled, that's really hard to do. Yeah. And so, like, I'll talk in a minute when you roll the women about it, but I'm going to go with Vidal. But man, it's not an easy choice. No, and George almost had me put with, with the fawn. He almost had me <laughs> change in there because yeah, yeah. I didn't. He needs to be so many things at so many different times. And sometimes it's character-based. Sometimes it's plot-based. Sometimes the character-based stuff is actually plot-based stuff in the end. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. But no, I'll go with Vidal. But man, I'm torn. This is the, that's the hardest one I've had of those in a long time, actually. Strong cast. Best moment, best moment? It's, I mean, I go for it all the time, but it's got to be the practicals. But solid shout-out to the acting performances because they're incredible. Yep. And despite the fact that I don't speak Spanish you can you you can understand it it's so well translated as well but like the acting is so well done that it doesn't necessarily matter that you can't understand what they're saying because you can understand what they're saying without the words it's a complete non-factor for me i agree with yeah. you yeah it's it's absolutely incredible the fact that it's foreign language means nothing means and nothing. i mean i am blessed with the fact that i can read quickly and those sorts of things and i can skim read and i can pick it up by just looking i don't have to read each individual word and i know i am lucky in that fact that isn't the case for everyone but it's still so beautifully done that it 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 doesn't necessarily, for me it doesn't matter that it's foreign language um but i mean it wins best makeup for a reason that's incredible like the fact that they use the animatronics and stuff and not just don't just go to cgi straight away i mean obviously the budget has something to do with it but animatronics aren't cheap either like so there is it's it was a choice and i think it makes that choice especially when you have a film that is about is it real or is it fantasy the fact that they've used practical means so much more because it's it is real then you can see the fawn in real life it's not like she wasn't acting against a green suit it was a fawn and that's that's really important i think for this film yeah yeah i'm the opposite to georgia i can't skim read i can't read very quickly subtitles. I'm normally put off by subtitled movies. It was easier to read. Um, I did follow it, even if I was falling asleep at times. Um, <laughs> to be fair, people should know that's not a Pan's Labyrinth thing. That's just that a, Liam a Liam thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I am up early in the morning. You are? No, no. <laughs> Liam's, Liam gets up like 4 a.m. to go to his work, and then he, he, he gets like an hour and a half off between the end of his shift and when I'm like, get over here, yeah. watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. So bless you. So I, I, I do struggle, but, you know, I, I persist. You do? Um, I only fight sometimes. <laughs> no, you're very good about the correction. When I'm like, Liam, you're sleeping. Yeah. Yep, I am. <laughs> <laughs> You've gotten good at that later. You used, to, you used to try and lie your way through it. I'm not, I'm not. You are. I'm not, <laughs> I, know, I know this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, so subtitled movies are not good for me normally. Um, this surprised me, to be honest with you. Um, it was easier to read. I think that's because of the context it was uh, filmed in and uh, the mood and the feel of the film gave you a lot more than just reading it. Um, 
Because you're right, you could have took the subtitles off and you could have got 70% of that. Yeah. Even without knowing, yeah. you know, you know who the bad guy was, you know totally. what was going on, you know, visually, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it, it blew my mind. I wanted to go into this film going, oh, my. in fact, I tried to talk you into me not turning up tonight. I know. <laughs> so I didn't tell you this, George. I went and saw Liam yesterday. Yeah. And, uh, because he wouldn't respond to anything as usual because <laughs> his phone was acting up. So I was in, I happened to be in Lynn. So I thought I'll go stop by Lynn's shop and I walked in and uh, he sort of leaned forward and went, now look, it's <laughs> kind of a movie. Do you really think I'm going to, I'm going to like it? And I went, yeah. And you're coming. <laughs> I, I think I may have even gone, look, when you pick the film that you've got in the chamber, you did. You wouldn't like it if, if someone bowed out on that one because they thought they might not yeah, like you that. Did. You, so there you we go. You killed me into coming. I did. Uh, <laughs> but because I, I have avoided this film for years and yeah. it's not my kind of thing. And oh, if, if I didn't, wasn't told I had to teach this by the, like, the film board, there's no way I would have done it. No. No. But do you know what? This pleasantly surprised me um i i couldn't believe how easy it was for me to pick up on and go along with i loved the cast the cast were very strong i felt the score was amazing um i loved the mood of it uh interpretation into how you see the movie is down to in the individual yep um but yeah mainly i love the score about this and the style of it i love the style of how it was filmed um I like I like films that affect me, and this affected me more than I thought it would. So I'm glad you guilt me into coming. There we go. So <laughs> are we calling the best element? Are we calling this like like the the tone of the film? Is that what we're saying? The tone and score. Okay, excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. Oh, jeez, this is really difficult. Um, outside of the open ending, which we've discussed, I think I think it's a really strong point of the movie. Uh, I'm going to sort of cheat here because it's almost like a second best actor thing, but I'm going to talk about Doug Jones for a minute and the two characters that he helped create in The Pale Man and The Fawn, which if you want to talk about like, the magic realism kind of of this film, like that's like 85% of it are those two characters. One who you're on the fence about, what is this guy like? And the other one you're like, no, I'm not pretty sure what this guy's like. You need to get out of there. And um, I... I so a combination of Guillermo del Toro's notebook and then Jug Jones bringing them to life, I think um, there's a reason why the pale man is like in all the marketing sort of stuff exactly, for all the visuals. There is, yeah. It's such an iconic look and half of it is the visual and the aesthetic presented half of it's the performance and uh, Doug Jones unsung hero in this film. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Um, Grumble. There's a couple of moments when there's explosions going or fire and stuff going off in the forest that look not great. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. some CG that looks very kind of like early 2000s video game mm-hmm. and not worthy of what the rest of this film is. There was something with the toad. I didn't like that much. When she's down with him, I thought that looked a little... I didn't mind the toad. Ethan I'm- would say janky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, there was just a couple of moments. It was a sp- sp- specific shot of the woodland, and there was one of the, when one of the things went off, and I went. It looked almost okay. as if you could see the edges of it, right. of like where they'd put it in, and it just it just didn't look right. And so that was that's mine. Uh, I, I have a, I have a few. <laughs> um, I don't like. I didn't like the gore in this. I don't like having to. I'd rather they cut away from it. 
and let me imagine. Oh, she, she was cutting away a lot of stuff. Stuff. <laughs> she was. Um, I didn't want to see the leg get sawn off, and I saw it move. I don't want to see um, the bugs crawling all over and the toad sicking itself up. Yep. You know, and the maybe the shot in the face you need to see, um, only because you hate that character so yep. much. You. You feel justified in going, yeah, because at one point I screamed at the TV going, stab him in the neck. Yeah, you did. <laughs> no, you, when she stabbed him once, you were like, keep going, yeah, keep don't going, stop. don't stop. <laughs> you know, so obviously that affected me. I do love watching first watches with Liam. Because <laughs> he's very emotional. In his, when he's awake, he's very emotional in his responses. <laughs> you know, and I don't condone violence. but you No, know, you don't. But yeah. I, was, I was like, um, you know, stab him in the neck, kill him. Yeah, because um, he comes off like a horror villain. Yeah. Despite his, like, when we do No Country for Old Men. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, jeez. Oh, it's going to be good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Another first watch you for me. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'll have I don't, to guilt you into that one, too. Yeah, I don't like um, the torture things. I don't like seeing torture. Um, yeah, it's hard. I, I, I never have. I don't like even people talking about it, what they're going to do. It just freaks the absolute buggery out of me. Um, the only one I do find funny is the Bond one, when they're throwing the ball thing and he's hitting him in the bollocks. Oh, okay. And he goes, what are you laughing at? And he goes, wait till everyone hears that you've been playing with my bollocks. <laughs> that I find funny. But anyway, uh, in general, torture, not good for me. Uh, what else is there? Uh, the, the lock, like you yeah. said. Um, why? Um, the bit where she eats the grapes seemed disjointed to me in that scene. It didn't feel right because she'd been listening to everything the fawn had been saying and doing at that time, and the fairies. I say that liberally with them. Because <laughs> there's one fairy, and then there's loads, and then two. Yep. I think you just need that to see them die. I did seem like the fairies were back at the end of the film as well. Yeah. I believe all the fairies are, are alive there again, so them, that would yeah. suggest that yeah. maybe it was just all... That the pale man is, is thingy. Yeah, or it's a simulation or it's or something. Also, or something. See, that's, yeah. that's interesting as well, though, because obviously you've gone to... It means that it was a simulation because they're back. I went with... It means that the fawn is also the pale man and that that was just magic to scare her. That's what it's kind of meant by simulation. It wasn't real danger she was necessarily Oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, buddy. Uh, Yeah, no, they're just basically my my grumbles. Um, Less than I thought because I thought I was going to have a page of grumbles. Um, I thought I was going to hate the subtitles. I thought I was going to hate the movie. But you got to remember, I was going into this film thinking Parasite. Yeah, no, you were. And I am never watching Parasite ever again. I'll just life. start leading with this. There's nothing like Parasite, buddy. It's not. <laughs> no. and, and, and you're right. I'm glad I watched it. Good. Because it's a film I would have still avoided if I hadn't seen it. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm going to go with my grumble. It's, 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 uh, you mentioned the story beat with the with the lock, and it's always bugged me. So for a secondary one, I'm just going to talk about, this is a very dark film. I don't mean like tonally. I mean, it's just a dark film. And there were moments where I was like, you know, I, I got a nice TV and, you know, I had the lights off, not even on. Yeah. And it was, I was still going, I don't know what I, is there something supposed to be happening right now? Yeah. It was a really dark film. It was tough to watch. It was tough to watch at, at moments, just, just literally what's occurring on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would be my, my one thing. I know, you know, that can tone and all that. That's great. Just, just let me see kind of what's going on on the screen. That's all I ask. Mm. Um, anybody's best role ever? We don't really know the answers to this because nope. I've never seen any of these actors before. I thought Bruce Willis was great in this. Um, I thought Stanley Tucci played a Spanish doctor oh, really good. well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing the age game this week, so we'll jump right ahead to uh, the good, the bad, and the ebes. So the good, the bad, and the ebes. What do we have 
on this one, uh, Georgia? Uh, so I have got uh, Brian Telerchio from UGO who said, a fantasy for adults that will make you feel both the intense wonder and fear of childhood more than any film in years. Uh, then we've got Anne Hornaday who said from Washington Post who said, so breathtaking in its artistic ambition, so technically accomplished, so morally expansive, so fully realised that it defies the usual critical blather. See it and celebrate that rare occasion when a director has the audacity to commit cinema. <laughs> wow. Brilliantly written. Well said. Yeah. Um, then I've got Kenneth Turin from Los Angeles Times who says, because the violence is used not for titillation but to create a world that we can be fearful about, because the film lives up to his to its tagline that innocence has a power evil cannot resist, we see it all without wishing we were somewhere else. And then I've got Jonathan Rosenbaum from the Chicago Reader who says, unlike most horror movies, this chiller gives equal prominence to reality and fantasy, though the reality is far more frightening. Oh, okay. Nothing from Ebes? Well, I went, when I was looking for Ebes, it came up with someone else's on Ebes' website, but I have just got it up now because I saw your notes and went, hang on a second. Yeah. Oh, no, that's actually not... That's I a, didn't think that was That's this, from Bonnie yeah. and Clyde. <laughs> that was a copy and paste fell. While you looked that up, I will mention 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So ridiculously high. 8.2 on IMDb. So really high. It, it's it's the, the the punters like it, and so do the professionals. So yeah. nice job there. While George is looking up, I will uh, just quickly bring up the usual. Unless you have it right now. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Uh, he says uh, there's so much impact and intensity, and such a rich, such a richness of visual imagination that they flatter their genres instead of depending on them. That's good. How many stars are curious to give it? Four. Four out of that's out of four, right? That's what he does. Yeah. yeah. Wow. All right. So I put out the fleeces as I'm known to do. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth. What do people think? Sixty eight percent called it a great film. Wow. Second place. Twenty four percent call it an okay film. Mm. I'm thinking this speaks Divided. to two things: foreign language films. Yeah. And I think it also speaks to. I think some people like a, a, an absolute closed ending and turn on a film if it doesn't give it to them. And they go, what was the point of that? Because you go, well, which side was it? And you go, well, no, that's the whole point. And you go, oh, I don't like that. And there's people who really don't like it when it's left up for grabs. Yeah. I love a film that's left up for grabs. As long as it holds up and it's not a weak cop-out up for grabs. Yeah, so there yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I've just found the end of Roger Ebert's, and I think it just sums up nicely what we've been saying the whole way through. Okay. So I'll go for it. What makes Del Toro's Pan's Lathering so powerful, I think, is that it brings together two kinds of material, obviously not compatible, and insists on playing true to both right to the end. Because there is no compromise, there is no escape route, and the dangers in each world are always present in the other. Del Toro talks of rule of three in fables, three doors, three rules, three fairies, three thrones. I am not sure three viewings of this film would be enough, however. <laughs> Every time I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> I know, right? Here he and I go. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just a hack trying to make a way in the world. Trying to make my way in the world. <laughs> there we go. You do very well, dude. Well, you know, you know. Yeah, you surprised me. I'll tell you what. I listened to Mark Kermode for the first time. He does. Uh, he's like he's like Britain's basically the number one film critic right now. Oh, okay. Bored, senseless. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was Sorry if you're listening to Mark. Uh, maybe it's just the one. Maybe it's the one one I listened to. I just couldn't get into it. But then I listened to Bill Simmons. Back hair guy. Don't know. Oh, no. He's just he's just number one at all the film stuff oh, here. Okay. But then I listened to The Ringer with Bill Simmons. Thought that was brilliant. Top Gun Maverick. Listened to it for two hours. Fantastic listen. 
Good I had to go back man. and listen to it again. Yeah, it helps when you got a good film to talk about. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and take a look at some of our Patreon backers, our friends of the podcast, uh, who not only are going to give their thoughts, but they help contribute to a rating. And you can find out more about that at patreon.com slash BFE. Georgia, what are the patrons saying this week? Uh, so Dwayne Smith might as well be on here as a guest, as he's the only one who's put in a rating this week. Oh, okay. So just the one. Dwayne Smith. <laughs> so listen, so by doing this Dwayne basically his vote is the Patreon vote there he has full power on this well yeah. done Dwayne it's why just like in politics it's important to do your part and vote absolutely <laughs> what you got I don't necessarily agree with the vote oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> controversial so, although I think it was Dwayne Smith who also said that he didn't like Alice in Wonderland and we fell out for a long time so that sounds about right yeah. if he you didn't down, like one you might not, not like, like both yeah. he yeah. went down the wrong rabbit hole there uh, so he, he says I watched this about a year ago after seeing The Shape of Water and adoring that I decided I should give Guillermo del Toro's previous work a look if I'm honest I struggled with it the visuals are amazing and the world he created created is incredible very magical however I struggled to work out what was going on a lot of the time and overall could just not engage with it maybe I was expecting to feel the same as I had with Shape of Water but that didn't happen I can see why this film is beloved by so many maybe I need to give it a second watch hopefully your revo- review will enlighten me and fill in some gaps he's giving it a do you want to know yeah let's do it now we yeah, yeah yeah six a six out of ten yeah all right so there we go six for the patreon vote this week there we go yeah uh yeah you know it's gonna go either way though that's what my patreon votes always do. especially if it's one person I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah imagine yeah. if it was like a like a zero and we had to count that we're not allowed to count zeros they have to be at least two <laughs> we so, learned that the hard way so point I'm still a train you can do a zero. I don't believe any movie we're going to do on this podcast would deserve a zero. No, because it's supposed to be best film ever. Yeah, like in order to, like, like, yeah. I just think there's going to be something ridiculous. Like, for films out there to deserve is the one that I watched. Oh, my God. And they wanted to come on the pod. Go on. Oh, it was so dreadful. Uh, I forget the name of it. I'll drop it at some point. They got a hold of me and said, <laughs> we want you to do this. And when I got to the point where, like, the mouths moving didn't line up with the dialogue being said, so they clearly put the dialogue from one scene into the shot from another because they, they didn't get good for both of them. And then they misspelt the word supervisor on three consecutive parts of the credits. Oh, no. Oh, it was like a – it was it was literally one of the worst movies I've seen. And so if you want to say this, this movie deserve like like, like – like, I'm, up, I'm up for that conversation because <laughs> that have, was horrendous. I have learned in my uh – extensive time of uh learning who i am as a a person and all these different things over doing the podcast that in my very normal baseline state and not when i've been traumatized i would never give a film a zero now because the fact that it has been made and it is in the world deserves at least a one that is my baseline there you go the baseline (laughs) it's hard like if i imagine this film and then train spotting i'd be like (laughs) <laughs> I was traumatized. You were tra- no, you were traumatized, yeah. and that's real, and that's real. And so then we since sort of implemented the Georgia rule, which yeah. is just for Georgia. But it's if a film has traumatized you to that level, and you're going like, I can't be objective about this yeah. because of this, then we give people the rights to step back and go, well, I can't I th- vote. I think you'd watch the second one and find it funny because the second one is more of a comedy. Oh, dude, I'm is. never watching the second one again. The second one's a comedy, I saw it once. isn't it? Yeah, it's, no, all right. it's not. It's, all right. it's a completely different tone to the first. Yep. Um, let's take a look at what the, I got a little bit more note on that from the, oh, my, my phone just died at the worst possible time. Oh no. Do you need the Twitter? You better believe it. Yeah, I do actually. If you can bring that up, that'd be fantastic. 
what was it? It would just be on our thing. Just be on the main feed, then I can find it from there. Um, so there we go. Thank you. That was very quick. Um, it's much smaller phone than that's I'm used because to. I didn't do it. <laughs> so, yeah. so, oh, that's my Men in Black uh, tweet. There it's we go. Also, the our, the our Twitter handle is in my bio, so I just have to click to my profile and then click to that, and it's there. Oh, that's clever. Okay, so for the first thing, we've got. Hey, it's your sister. <laughs> says I have horrible memories of this film mainly because a dude I used to date would get high and insist on watching this every weekend I watched it once with him and then after that it, it, and then after that as soon as he put it on I knew he was stoned and took it as my cue to leave hashtag I dated some winners uh, that being said I remember how visually appealing it was but hated the subtitles which is funny because now in my old age I have closed captioning on for everything hashtag old but not as old as Ian hashtag I do, <laughs> hashtag I look older though I'm glad she's come to peace with that I've got oh I think I don't know what it was I, I, I started making fun of it I, I think I look younger <laughs> Aren't you only about a year apart, though? Oh, like a, yeah, a yeah. year apart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not like oh, it's a massive difference. And bless her, she's had like two kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, whereas I've just lived a, a relatively stress free. I mean, Tina's not stress free, but for the most part, a pretty stress free life. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, Ray from Being Bookish says this film is the reason I started learning Spanish. I wanted to enjoy the fantasy fairy tale slash nightmare in its purest form. Uh, Chris Peterson said tried to watch it but just couldn't get into it. Had to turn it off twenty minutes in. Don't know whether it was because it was in Spanish or just was in the mood. It just could not keep my attention, so I won't give it a proper review. Hey, Chris Peterson doing the Georgia rule. Look at that. Yep. Yeah, well, <laughs> good job, good job. Although he didn't watch it anyway. I mean, I had watched. He, he it, said he got so twenty minutes no, in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carlo from the movie Loot. Excellent hey. film. My favorite Del Toro film. I love the way he juxtaposes the apparent beauty of the fantasy world with the harsh realities the characters are living. All the performances are excellent, but Sergi Lopez is Vidal. Damn. Chilling performance. Very. Fully agree. Yep. Peter Love's movie say great film. What gets me is the horror that the kid imagines pales in comparison to the horror in real life. Fantastic film. Interesting they said the word imagines. Imagines, yeah. Interesting. Shoot the Flick says, I loved it. That creature design was amazing. Not fighting me on that. Uh, Friends Talking Fantasy say great film with the... Uh, with the mm, yeah, look at that. And then uh, Shy Burgerfreund. I hope I said that right. Shy uh, said, um, "Amazing film, dark and interesting, with good performances and truly amazing visuals." So there we go. Thank you very much, everybody, for uh, helping us out there one last critic and it would just be it was a comment i guess there are different opinions about the film's religious influences del toro has said he considers pan's labyrinth a truly profane film um as a layman's riff on catholic dogma but his friend alejandro gonzalez in Aritu described it as a truly catholic film del toro's explanation is that once a catholic always a catholic <laughs> however he also admits the pale man's preference for children rather than the feast in front of him is intended as a criticism of the catholic church <laughs> additionally the priest's words during the torture scene were taken as a direct quote from a priest who offered communication uh, communion to political prisoners in the spanish civil war direct quote remember my sons you should confess because you don't because you know because god doesn't care what happens to your bodies he already saved your souls although audiences have interpreted the film's bittersweet ending as everything from a religious metaphor to a psychological allegory del toro offers a simpler but more poetic explanation i always think of that beautiful quote by soren kiersgaard that says the tyrant's end sorry the tyrant's reign ends with his death but the martyr's reign starts with his death I think the essence of the movie, it's about living forever by choosing how you die.
Not bad for a guy for whom English is not his first language. Look mm-hmm. at that. Uh, if you like this film or episode, you would like, uh, I, think, I think we have an open ending. I think I said already atonement. Um, I mean, Amelie was the other, one of the other languages we've done. Yeah. So as far as films to watch or episodes to like, uh, Amelie, Parasite, we've talked about it enough. Mm. <laughs> if you want to get that side There's of it. And this one is much more Amelie than it is Parasite, but. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Interesting what you compare these things to. Um, and I guess if you like this, you'll probably like Shape of Water, Georgia might say. I mean, yeah, they are different. Um, but he's but a very visual storyteller. The, visu- the visuals are, are there, yeah. Yeah um so time for our ratings 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 we know what Dwayne smith has put in the pool george i think we can have have an idea at least the range of where you're going to put this so i'm going to go for a random word oh my word we didn't do well we'd taken that away from you because now i'm joking (laughs) why don't you think i do liam random word buddy i'm hanging up don't tell me don't tell me light stick that's all i ask green dress green dress is beautiful Mm. that dress okay green dress it is so have at it let's see what you got i apologize for that buddy that's all right, no worries. Um, okay, Georgia, what are you going to have for your rating? I mean, I I do love this film. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and I like the discussion that it's let us have and all these different things. The effects and the cinematography and the way that this is filmed and performed and put together is just incredible. Like, it is so beautiful and haunting and artistic and all these different things that it's supposed to be. I think it's absolutely amazing. There are a few issues with it that I go, you needed... I know he's keeping a lot of it open, uh, but there's a couple of things where I go, even if though you're keeping this open, that still needs reason for it to happen, like the grapes. And you could have just shot that slightly differently or directed that slightly. You don't even necessarily need any dialogue. It could just could have been directed slightly differently yep. um, for it to fix that gap. And then there's the couple of bits of CGI where I'm like, oh, come on, don't don't let yourself down now. Um, so it's not it's not a perfect film it isn't and i can understand why some people do turn it off after 20 minutes because it is difficult if you're if it's not your thing it is however my thing and i think it's brilliant (laughs) um so i am going to give it nine out of ten tortured off fingers all right nine out of ten liam okay I thought I was going to go in with like a low number, like a four or something, because I thought I'm going to hate this. What do you give Parasite? Do you remember? Minus 36. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look it up. We'll look it up. I want to think it was like a four probably, yeah. yeah it'll be one that will be a contender for going down again. You can't. It's like, it's like more than a year ago. <laughs> I, 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 every year. You can't every year. Every year. <laughs> every year I can go down. <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised by this film. When Georgia announced this and... Oh, I saw your face. Oh, my eyes rolled. I just thought, really? Am I got to sit through that crap? And do you know what? I, I am pleasantly surprised. I was, I was more surprised at the fact I was picking up the subtitles uh, and reading it quite quick, considering how it was going. I thought I'd miss all the action and the, the lighting and the tone and everything else. But actually, I was taking it in. I was quite... I think once you start doing it mm-hmm. for quite a bit you kind of you kind of get used to it certainly and uh you get the feeling of what's going on anyway um i didn't like the gore you know i'm not a big fan of that i i think this is more of uh elements of horror to it um which i'm not a big fan of um i like the fact you bring these sort of things to the table only because that gives our podcast more depth and more range and everything else which is why i do what i do which is why i bring classic films that i like 
Um, because I think films like that will get forgotten in times to come. There's not many podcasts out there that do older films. So that's why I bring that. And I like the diversity of us, female, two males, sometimes three, <laughs> um, with Ethan. You missed, buddy. Um, I'm going to give this seven and a half vials of antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> matching, but not matching. <laughs> yeah, not quite matching vials of antibiotics. All right. Oh, and the acting was fantastic in this movie, I have to say. Indeed. Amazing. Um, it's really strange um, how you access films and where they come from and where they come into your life and all that sort of stuff. And films can be around for a while before you see them. And sometimes you catch things on day one at the cinema, and sometimes it's just a thing. And this is one that was chosen not by me. It was chosen by a colleague when I had to teach it. And they'd always done it, so I thought, all right, can't be that bad. We already have the DVDs, yada, yada, yada. And so when I was developing it for the, for the course when I moved to schools, I was like, yeah, I'll just keep paying. That's fine. Just do that and watch it for the first time this year. And went, whoa. Surprising, really, this is the kind of thing that I would think is not my film. Visual storytelling. Mm. I'm like, oh, it's not my thing. Fantastical creatures. Um, a young child, female protagonist. Those yeah. don't tend to be things that I lean myself towards. Normally, a big fan of young male. But, but, you know, when you grow up, I guess you have a lot of films like that. But I think one of those things, I'm an adult. I don't want to see a child protagonist. These are all things that should be turn-offs for me. And yet, somehow, this film does the opposite. It winds me through... Uh, its own labyrinth. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> of, um, of my expectations and then finds in the middle, I found this great appreciation for this film that I wasn't expecting. Um, it even gets people like me to go, man, that set design is amazing and how are they able to do this? And, you know, in a world where everything is CGI to realize that they actually made someone look like this. Yeah. That is sensational. Brilliant. So, I am going to give this nine let's really put a smile on that faces out of ten wow slice of life if you will oh (laughs) i I think this i said i went to myself and i was going i think i have a number and i went back to the future always my barometer right is this a better film than back to the future and i went unqualified yes yes it is yeah this this enters the elite absolutely it does i was veering towards an eight yeah what I barometer yeah. Back to the Future. Yeah. I, I thought myself right? Back yeah. to the Future, and I thought Back to the Future. I will watch time and time again. Yeah, this film I will watch again, but it'll be like once every five, it's an six, interesting seven take years. Because I, I hear what you're saying to a degree. I don't necessarily think a film has to be a film that I would watch more often than another film to get a higher grade than that previous film. Certain films are really certain films are pizza. <laughs> Here's a metaphor we're using a hair bit, but certain films are pizza, right? And I go, yeah, I could watch Back to the Future easily once a year. Yeah. And other films, you're like, Hoover's an emotional journey. The one you've got in, in you've got in the, oh, yeah, in, yeah. in the chamber. Yeah, yeah. That's not pizza. No, no, that 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 that, that that's a serious meal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's not just hey, random Friday night. You want to have a pizza? This is something you're like, okay, this is a big deal. I got to sort of be in the right spot for this, or you don't. It's. It's, That's a Sunday roast. That needs all the timings and the trimmings. Yeah, to be I, right. I, I guess we talked about Auschwitz earlier, and I'm not trying to make a lot of it. There's certain places and things and things you go because you think it's important to see that, and those are really valuable things. Yeah. It, I don't think anyone's ever going, let's go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't mean that wasn't a really impactful, powerful thing. Yeah. So we've talked about The Pianist, for example. We haven't come back and watched it again yet. 
when we do, I'll score it very highly, I think. Same. But I can't go back and rewatch that on a regular basis. No. It would kill me. Oh, do you remember? That's one of the films that I said to you. I, I'm going to have to turn this off. We almost didn't make it through that one. Didn't we? Yeah. Both of us. That yeah. weren't just one. I was trying to talk you into it. And I was like, I don't know if I have any more of this. Yeah. And then there was, there, there was a shift in what the movie was. It was. And it, was it was easier then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's that. So... Um, I'll try to put a bow on the well. Well done, Georgia. Good pick. Yeah, it was Thanks. good pick. Yeah. I know we were a little we were a little tense earlier on in the conversation, but good pick, good conversation. Yeah, but sometimes the audience there'll be people out there completely for Georgia. Yep, and there'll be people completely for you. Hey, and, it, and you don't completely for me. We've I mean, said before. So, hey, it sounds like you guys are really, really friends. Yeah, and sometimes that means we disagree and bicker a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, as Georgia sets up for her thing, I'm going to thank our Patreon backers. That's Reverend Bruce, Julene, Hermes, Dwayne Smith, Katie McRae, Ian Davies, Lena Oberholzer, Chris Peterson, Randall, what's your handle? Silva, the Yeetmeister, Nate the Great, Andy Dixon, and Cheesy. With a fish on a bike. Absolutely. If you want to yeah. be on the pod, choose the movie potentially, or have your vote carry the entirety of the weight <laughs> as it did for Dwayne Smith well done, Dwayne. Uh, this week, go ahead, patreon.com slash BFE. Let's talk about next, next week. Birthday week. Birthday week. Hey. Birthday week. It's going to be a blockbuster birthday Ooh. is what it's going to be. Big, big thrills. Okay. Good thrills or bad thrills? Ooh, I think good thrills. I think okay. good th- it's going to be exciting. It's going to be high octane kind of fun. The what? kind of octane that gets you 5,000 feet maybe over the world as you watch the world fly by. Armageddon? No. Ooh. And then you have to find the bad guy and tell him to get off my plane. Next week... We're doing Harrison Ford as the president in Air Force One. Oh, wow. <laughs> I got nothing. I don't, I don't really know. I know, <laughs> Do you know? I know nothing about it. <laughs> I think I want to leave it there. I don't think I want to give her any more information. You know, 25th anniversary. Wow. I think I may have seen only like half this movie. Oh, really? I think I, I, think I came into this one night when I was flicking through and I went, oh. Here, ready for this, Georgia? Mm-hmm. Die Hard on a Plane. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it's one of them things, That's what we're watching. Okay. It's one of them things that I stopped and went, I'll give this five minutes. Yeah. And then I ended up watching the rest of it. There was a time when uh, Harrison Ford was in seven of the top ten grossing films of all time. And it was the three Star Wars movies, the three Indiana Jones movies, and this. Wow, yeah. So okay. there's, there's a slight hint for the uh, for how much money this make at the box office next week. <laughs> so, so... Let's go ahead and put a bow on this. Please join us next week when we tackle Air Force One. It seems weird they wouldn't release it for July 4th. Yeah. But it was not. <laughs> so, for best film ever, I've been Liam. And I've been Georgia. And Liam, hey, it might not have been David Bowie's Labyrinth we watched this week. But if you think about it in a certain light, it was still all about the baby. <laughs> it's all about the <laughs> Come, come. We'll catch you on the flippity flop. The flippity flip flop. <laughs> <laughs>